It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. I'm worried driving the car with obviously and she teaches. I'm not going to give this any more credence. I'm not going to let the person win. I will not be a victim. We have nothing to put the patient onto, so they're safer on an ambulance trolley. What I did in the morning, TJ, is crack. It's like yarding. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ. In case you're wondering, why is it that they're talking about the Jazz Festival in August? Well, lads, it is only 64 days away. It'll start on the Thursday, 64 days from now. The start of the Cork's Guinness Jazz Festival of 2023. The year is galloping by. Just simply galloping by. And while you're at it, it's 66 days until the clocks go back. I hate that. But it's only 123 days to Christmas. Just just bringing you into the picture, as, as I like to do from time to time. It's a glorious morning out there. A beautiful, beautiful, clear morning. I think some back-to-school weather is about to be dropped upon us. hope it is anyway. Now, on that very topic, back-to-school, imagine being the parents of one of a hundred kids waiting to go back to or start in the before five center okay um and get this text message then yesterday 23rd august it's with a heavy heart we must announce the closure of our beloved family center before five the organization will not reopen on 31st August. It will close as of today, 23rd August. And Cork City Childcare will support you to find an alternative place for your child. Kind regard, Board of Trustees of Before Five. Donna, you were one of the parents who, who got that message and, and your lad Jackson was all set to go there. Morning. Morning. Um, yeah, PJ, he was... All set to go. Um, he turned three last week. Um, and Jackson actually has additional needs. So we had him in another amazing preschool, by the way. But it's just, before fives have a great reputation for just giving that little bit extra attention to kids that need it. You know, that kind of way, because their classes are a little bit smaller. Yes. Um, and yesterday, four o'clock, we got that message and it just blew me away. I just could not believe that they could send 100 parents that message with kids ready to go back to school next week. Like, this can't happen overnight. They, they have to have known they were struggling for months, you know, that kind of way. Well, we don't even know what the struggles are. Um, they sent us a statement. Fergal got onto them and they said that we understand. Well, they said the decision wasn't made lightly and they said they understand the impact it'll have. 
It's due to, and I quote, a myriad of different reasons, financial challenges, changes in regulation, operational challenges, recruitment issue. They say we've thoroughly considered all the alternatives, but they've no choice of closing their doors. Now, that doesn't butter any turnips for you. No, it doesn't, because it's not giving you any definite answers. Like, it's not saying, okay, we don't have the money, or okay, the staff is not here. They're just blaming a little bit of everything, which is a bit of a get out, if you ask me. Like, if it's a case of they were struggling, it's, it's a community, like it's a, a community preschool. They could have asked for help. You know, I don't know who's on the board of trustees. I've never heard of it. I've just been dealing with the people over there. Um, and they've been very supportive. Like, we, we, we were trying to get Jackson, Ames teacher, and he actually got awarded it and everything. And that was only a few weeks back. And there wasn't even a, you know, oh, we could be struggling. And if we don't get help, we might have to shut down in August because the community would have rallied together and helped. Yeah. Like fundraisers or maybe they know staff that needs jobs or like people could come out of retirement. You know what I mean? There's, there's ways around everything if they'd have just asked for help. But this whole thing of getting a text message at four o'clock in the evening with numbers and then the numbers which I've rang are not even in service. Like, I rang that Cork City Partnership mm. number yesterday and it's just through a voicemail. Yeah. You mentioned, you, know, you mentioned the Board of Trustees. Now, myself and Fergal have been racking our brains here all evening, or, and, and all evening last evening and all morning this morning, trying to find out who are these people? Who is on the Board of Trustees? Because there's no list anywhere that I can find anyway. No, and we're in the same boat because I went looking last night for any sort of information about it and nothing like I think the staff even you know what I mean got a text message yesterday that they're done that they're not going back to work that's a craziness like the world is falling apart and the education system is not to par as it is but to be aiming it at kids this young and um, like a lot of these parents they would have gave up schools they would have gave up places in other schools to send them there and now those kids are just going to be forgotten about what are you going to you know, do? What are you going to do for Jackson now? I have absolutely no idea. Now I did go back to his his original preschool that like he's still in at the moment, but I expected it. You know, they had a waiting list and his place is gone. And I, you know, I can't blame them because I gave it up to move him mm-hmm. to the before five. So they said that they'll try to help me as much as they can, but they, there's definitely not a place for him starting next week. And um, so he's out of school now from Friday, and I have absolutely nowhere to bring him No, nobody is helping anybody with additional needs anyway there's such little help out there for any parent that's struggling with a kid with additional needs now on top of that I kind of landed on my feet with the before fives with the AIM support and everything it was all sorted and now I'm back to square one with literally nobody looking out for my child How do you feel? It's a mummy Um. You know what? I, I'm I'm more devastated for Jackson because he's coming on a lot recently. So this is going to send him back months of work that we've been doing. You know, he's been speech therapy and in the Rainbow Club in Mahin and he's doing fantastic. But mm. a few weeks out of a routine, that can put a child back months of work. You I know, know he's it, only three, but but does he know that he was getting ready to go back to preschool? Does he does he get that sense? I, I think he does. I think he does. You know, Jackson is nonverbal as well, so he doesn't speak right now. So it's kind of Donna, can I stop you? Yeah. Can I stop you and say I am so happy 
with the words you just used? Why? Well, I have said many times, I hate the term nonverbal. I, I just yeah. don't like it. But you said he doesn't speak right now. Yeah. That's fantastic, Donna. No, I think I think eventually he will speak. He's he's babbling a lot more now. And Good. I know that it's it's the proper term to use. He's nonverbal autistic, but he will speak eventually. Good. It's just yeah, right that's now he's fabulous. just I'm not, delighted he's not able to hear you say. I'm delighted to hear you say. <laughs> What's he gonna do Monday morning? Tuesday morning. Honestly honestly I have no clue. Peter, that's the truth. I have no idea. I know that there's some sort of meeting going on there today. Um, I'm hoping TDs from the area will come out. I'm hoping people will rally behind the school because I went to the school myself. Did you? My, my brothers, sisters, my niece, they all went to the school. And I wanted Jackson to go there because it's it's familiar. You know, it's it's what pushed me when I was a baby. You know, not many people know this, but early intervention is key for autism. And they keep saying, early intervention, you have to get early intervention. But then when it comes to trying to get early intervention, everywhere's gone. Places are gone. There is no space. There is no speech therapy. HSE waiting lists are months and months, maybe years long. So landing a place like the before fives was ideal for us. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, it's just, sorry, we're not opening on next week. Best of luck. And here's a number. And they might be able to place yourself somewhere else, but probably not. Not good enough, is it, Donna? No, no, it's not. And the, the community up there is a great community. They get behind a lot of things. I feel like if they'd have come to us and they would called a public meeting and said, look, guys, we will have to shut the school if we don't get financial aid or we don't get staff that needs to come back or, you know, regulations aren't met. The community would have helped. There's a hundred parents up there in the same boat that I'm in with kids that aren't going anywhere. They have nowhere and they're going to be forgotten about because preschools are completely full. Yes, yes. They're, not only are they completely full, Donna, but as Elaine Dunn has told me from the Federation of Providers, they're closing every day. Yeah, and, and it's, it's horrible because I know that they're only babies. I do. I'm not, I'm not saying that they're going to be you know, Ivy League kids. I know they're only babies, but it's a start and you need to get your child the best start. And a routine in a child's life is one of the most key things that you can give them. And a preschool starts that, you know. Preschool starts a great routine for your child. And if you don't have a place for your child, which every child is entitled to, may I add. So the fact that they're just saying, oh, we might be able to place them is wrong. Because the government says that they're entitled to two free years. So those two free years are subsidised to the before five. I don't understand where they're coming with this financial aid thing. You know. Okay. Donna, I hope something works out and I hope we can get so to the I. bottom of what's going on. It, I mean, it is. I was quite shocked this morning to find that, particularly not just me, but Fergal, who would dig and dig and dig, can't find any name, any names of any trustees. Like, it's, it's, it's getting, it, it's mysterious, you know. Donna, thank you, and I hope something works out for Jackson. 0818 96 96 96. To reiterate the statement that they sent to us last evening, they say they understand the impact of their decision, that it wasn't made lightly. There was a, a myriad of different reasons that go through all sorts of things, financial challenges, regulations, operational challenges, recruitment issues, and they say they're faced with the difficult choice of closing the doors. They said they had thoroughly considered all the alternatives, and this decision, this is bizarre, this decision is in the best interests of everyone. 
That's their statement issued to us last evening. The best, we, we had contacted them asking for an interview. The line in the statement is, this decision is in the best interests of everyone. I don't think it's in the best interests of young Jackson. Do you now? Oh, wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Join the conversation. This is the opinion line with Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Corks ninety six FM. Corks Gold Imro Award winning sports show. Right, right here. The score on Cork's 96FM. Join me, Trevor Welch, Sundays from 2 for the best music mix and all the latest sport as we focus on another big weekend of local Gaelic Games action and we bring you reaction to Cork City's trip to Drogheda and Cove Rambler's visit to Goal United. Right here, right there. Join Trevor Welch for the score this Sunday from 2 p.m. on Cork's 96FM. Your meeting has been called of the staff at before five for midday today uh, where hopefully hopefully they'll get a better brief on, on what's happening their jobs are gone 14 or 15 staff and a hundred young kids like jackson but also councillor kenneth collins other children benefit from it too because there's a there's a homework club but this news arrived out of the, you went like we're not saying this is this isn't some fly by night operation that arrived last week. You went to to this place. Morning. Good morning. How are you this morning, PJ? Yeah, I um I attended forty three years ago. Um it was probably state of the art at the time, you know. Um to to hear the news yesterday that it is shutting down is is devastating for the community, Churchfield, Grunnaborn and surrounding areas. Um, you know, the amount of people that went through that service over the years, you know, it's avoided probably two recessions and a pandemic, and they're citing funding. Um, I I believe the the, the country's a wash of money. Surely we can do something here. Surely the government can step in. Um, I'm just so disappointed to hear this. Maybe Cox City Childcare will um step in. 12 months ago it happened in Stepping Stones and Farnery they, yes. they were shutting down that story. same things if you can remember um, and you know in fairness Cork City Child Care came together and advertised and, and they got a service to come in and to run the, run the Stepping Stones so maybe the same thing can happen here I know myself and Mick Nugent and Thomas Gould will be calling a meeting okay. uh, to see where, we're go- where, where this is going to go you know Was there any notion because you're all very active public representatives on, on the ground. All the public reps up there from all parties are very active on the ground. Did anybody have even a sniff, Ken, that this was about to happen? No, no, no notification whatsoever. It's a staff member contacted me to inform me that they got a text message to say their job is gone. And I, I was shocked to hear it. Um, I think it was appalling to, to text your staff in the manner to to, to to tell them that their jobs were no longer there. I think it was a wrong, a wrong, wrong decision from the board. Maybe the board are under pressure. Um, but By the way, and I, again, look, I'm, I'm not suggesting that there's anything sinister that I can't find the names, but do you know who's on the board? I don't. I, I'm looking into that at the moment. I made a few phone calls yesterday um, and I'm waiting on... So it's a CLG, so it's Company Limited Guarantee. So it is a company set up there, so yeah. obviously they'd have to have some sort of um, memorandum of understanding and, 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 and so, you know. 
but um, it's it's the the whole community is shock over it, it total shock. You know the fact that there's 100 children due to start there next week. Um, as as Donna was saying earlier, like no have no space and no place. You know the pressures that parents are under is it, it, to scramble out to see can they get their child in somewhere else. It's, a week before you start, it shouldn't happen. The whole dropping of a text message uh, in the middle of the afternoon, a week before you're due to open. Like, I, correct me if I'm wrong here, and somebody will if I'm not. If I am, nobody from before five woke up yesterday morning and realised there was such a situation at hand that they'd have to close. This doesn't come no, at you out of the blue. No, this is an ongoing issue. Um, so they, they would have known probably start of the year. I know um, they were in talks with a, another provider, but maybe the talks broke down there. Um, and that they were in, in speaking with the staff and they gave new contracts, but obviously talks broke down between before five and the, the provider that was due to come in and, and, and take it over. Mm. So um, maybe Cork City Childcare can do what they did for Stepping Stones, come in, advertise it because it's a fantastic facility as I said I, I attended there 43 years ago I saw um, a photograph a... I'll spare your blushes <laughs> when I'm on that uh, you know that interview that RT there years and years and years ago you'd have to pause and stop it but uh, you know all the boys had the blue petticoats on and the girls had the pink ones you know but no I'm just thinking I'm just it, thinking of you Ken Collins in a blue shirt like <laughs> 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 oh yeah! <laughs> if but, only they'd realised. <laughs> yeah, where I've come today, but you know, uh, I, I uh, look. It's 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 sad for the parents. I know. It's sad for the staff members that they're losing jobs. I know we're, we're laughing here, but at the end of the day, you know, it's the terrible. seriousness. It's dreadful. Is, it's dreadful. Is very very. And, the, and I think the way it's been done. Making. The way it's been done. Yes. Like, like, yes. I'm sorry, no, but this is this is shades of Vita Cortex. This is shades of Deb- Debenhams. A text message yeah. to a staff member, your job is gone. The legislation has to come in. To, I mean, there's proper notice. If you're handing your notice into your employer, you have to give a certain length of time True. notice. You know, and you, sometimes you might have to give it in writing. Where this this is, you know, a text message to say your job is is no longer there. It's it's not acceptable. All right. We'll see what comes out of that meeting at, at twelve o'clock. If there is any member of the board of directors of the Before Five Family Centre listening, then I would love to speak with you. I promise I'm not going to have a go. i just like to talk to you. That's all. Maybe answer a few basic questions about how we have come to this. Because it's the thing that the local reps want to know. It's the thing that the parents want to know. How have we come to this without anybody knowing about it? So, open invitation. I won't bite. I'll be very nice. I just want, if there's any member of the board of directors listening to us, um, pick the phone up, 0818 96 96 96. That's an open invitation. We just want to find out a little bit more. Elaine Dunn, Chair of the Federation of Early Childhood Providers. Elaine, um, good morning. Hiya. Any sign of any of this? Did you did you know? Did you hear? Did you get a sniff? I mean, this has been around for fifty years. This place. 
No, I, I, we had no idea that this was going to happen. And it's, it's very sad to see. Um, but it's the same story around the country when you're seeing these pressures closing down. It's down to the funding. It's down to the overburdening of the administration. It's down to the staffing crisis. I, we had a meeting last night in Cavern and the same story all around. Many of them saying that they may be forced to close the doors. I mean, it's time for government to really start listening. There's a hundred and odd children here now displaced this morning and families like have nowhere to go and there are no places in Cork. I, I don't know what we're going to do. Um, I'd love to talk to the board to see if there's anything that the Federation can do to support the families. Um, I'd love to talk to anyone that is willing to have a conversation about what can we do to stop this closure from happening and not displace all of these children and these families. If they say that Cork City Childcare will provide support to find alternative providers, but as you're saying... There isn't any. There aren't there isn't any. any. Yeah. Look, we did this the eight, that service that was closing down for 88 children there a few weeks ago. So we tried to find places for those children and we struggled, struggled to find places. There are no places. And look, they're not the only ones that are saying that they're, they're closing. There will be more closures in, in the coming weeks, I can guarantee you that, yeah. because we're seeing it now nationally and Minister Gorman and his department are not listening at all. And it, it's appalling what's going on to see all of these children displaced like this. It's not right. They cite financial regulation, operational recruitment challenges. The, the thing that's sorest about it though, Elaine, and I don't know whether you're able to comment on this, is how out of the blue it's done. Just dropping a text message to parents and staff in the middle of the day. Uh, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm kind of disappointed that it was done like that. I mean, if the board had got into contact with the CCC there in Cork, who are a great, um, the county child care committee there, they would have supported them and probably would have helped them. But um, we could have done the same. But, you know, you have to communicate with people. I'd love to talk to the board and see, you know, why the decision was made the way it was. I didn't realise it was done by a text message mm. um, to parents. I, I didn't realise that that's, that's not OK. Um, but if there's no money and there's no staff, then the service cannot open. It's and as simple is, as that. Is regulation getting more difficult, Elaine? Look, re- regulation there, you know, it's it's there for a reason. It, it was so lackadaisical for many, many years, and then it brought in regulation. Are we over-regulated now? Yes. Like, if you have a, an inspector that comes in and picks you up on, on a bit of dust on the wall or a pedal bin in the toilet, the pedal isn't working, yeah, that's over-regulation, absolutely. Okay. You know, and, and we we do hear those stories, you know, but the biggest problem at the moment, the challenging problems are the funding, yeah. the staffing crisis. I mean, I know many of us are closing down rooms, including, including me, we're closing down rooms because we can't get staff anywhere. We cannot get qualified staff. Yeah, yeah. Elaine, thanks as always. Elaine Dunn, Chair of the Federation of Early Childhood Providers. 0818969696. Public, public reps... Know nothing about the reasons behind this. No contact was made, according to Councillor Collins. No contact was made with local reps to see if they could help. Parents are saying they, our parents are being told by before five that all alternatives were exhausted, but yet we've no idea what any of those alternatives were. And I'm putting it out again. Look, it's probably going to fall on deaf ears. We don't even know who the owners of those deaf ears are, and that's okay too. But if there's anybody from the board listening who's willing to talk to me, uh, 
Really would appreciate it. 0818 96 96 96. Now, Deputy Mick Barry has been on and said if the parents and staff organise a protest, there would be massive support and it would be justified support. Parents are universally worried about childcare. He also says this is going to keep happening until childcare and early years is set up properly uh, by the government in the way they do with primary schools with funding and a proper programme. Yeah, I, 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 I. I 100% agree. <laughs> Myself and Mick Barry have our differences politically. But I couldn't disagree with him on that last point he makes there. Right, this has come from Sinead, okay? Uh, let me do a song and let me read it because it's a two-page email and I want to give it the, the justice it deserves by just pre-reading it. So let's take a tune and I'll read it then. This comes from Sinead. Sinead Cummins, she asked me specifically to give her name and she says PJ I had to send this email as I have nowhere else to turn to at 10 past 4 on Wednesday I got a text message to say the current childcare provider that I've always used for my kids will no longer be in operation they won't be opening their door next week a week's notice PJ I have 5 kids and I work from home this coming week I had plans to send my twin girls age 4 back for their second year of preschool. I'd also planned on their little brother, AJ, to start attending creche. AJ is autistic, and I had this made well aware to the facility before the end of year even began. I now have no other choice but to send my two four-year-old girls to school. They're only four since July. I'm in a situation where I have three kids aged four, four, two twins, and a two-year-old with no childcare provider after having everything sorted for a long time. I simply don't know what to do. I have two older kids, aged eight and six, who go to school, and now I'm caught between a rock and a hard place of either giving up my job or trying to do the impossible, find childcare for my kids. What is one to do? I worked full-time before my son was diagnosed with autism. I decided it was best for me to change to part-time. He has a lot of additional needs. So now, even for my part-time work, my child's expected to stay at home and not get additional resources or social time that he deserves. The place I had planned for him to do this has decided to not open its doors. PJ, I am outraged. I was so looking forward to him starting, to bringing him along, to meet little people his own age, and maybe even bring on his vocabulary a bit. He's non-verbal at the moment, but boom, he hasn't even got a chance. I think this behaviour is scandalous and unacceptable. How can they do this to the kids and to the parents? I don't even know what else to do now. I've phoned everywhere. I've emailed everywhere. I've messaged everywhere. Everywhere either said, he's not eligible, as he's not a certain age, or we're full. How are parents actually meant to support their kids or even return to work when having a space available anywhere for their kids seems impossible? It's heartbreaking for kids that they're expected to wait for absolutely no reason. My autistic boy is one of the most amazing human beings in the world. I've just told a premises about his special needs and they've just decided to close their doors. I'm heartbroken. If anyone knows of any crash facility, on the north side especially, I'd really appreciate it. Kind regards, Sinead Cummins, and please do read out my name. 
I don't think that requires any comment from me. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you the Arts House. Every Sunday on Cork's 96 FM. Hi, it's Elmarie. Join myself and Connor every Sunday morning to find out what's happening in the arts all over Cork. There's so much happening. Fantastic festivals with great events for all ages. And we'll tell you all about them. The Arts House. Sunday mornings, 8 to 10. With Griffin's Potatoes. Feeding Cork families with delicious Griffin's New Seasons Queens. Cork's 96 Bit of travel news. There's a car broken down on one of the bad bends on the Fota Road heading into Belvelli Bridge. Jackie, you were listening to both Donna and Sinead. Donna was talking about her boy Jackson, Sinead about AJ on the email there. Morning. Yeah, morning. It's just, I have experience with a child with autism. My own child has autism. He's mm. 16 now. Yeah. And I have, an exper- I have experience of mind and twins as well. I'm actually on my way now to mind my granddaughter for the day. Okay. So I can help her out if she needs it any time. Okay, okay. It's an awful way for people to be left, isn't it? It Only. is. It's horrible. Yeah. Well, that's I mean, very... I was crying trying to get a place for my son when he's about three, four. I was crying trying to get a place. I know. I know. And Scott Padraig Peel rung me up literally on the day. They felt so sorry for me. He rung me up and fitted them in. Yes. Do you know? Yes. Yes, it's yes. awful position for parents to be in. Yeah, and I remember 20 years ago, more than 20 years ago, we were looking for a place for our lad, and it's it's it hasn't gotten any easier. In actual fact, it's gotten harder. I mean, my lad was in preschool when he was diagnosed, and I had to literally go in with him every day. I was guard vetted. I had to be you know, to be guard vetted to stay there with him. Yeah. I mean, they should... They should go back to parents, five, four or five parents, minding the children in their house, children, parents, gather them all and sit and mind them, go yeah. back and take the government out of it. Let the parents do it. If parents will stay at home, parents, get a load of kids together and mind them and a few volunteer parents take ships that they're all, that you know your children are safe. Do you know? Take all this. That was the great way that the community ran in the past, Jackie. I, 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 yeah. wonder, I wonder, would it work now, you know? There's too many regulations now. You can't do nothing. Mm. I mean, there's childminders everywhere. Grandparents minding children. I like me now. I'm on my way out to mind my granddaughter for the, you know, because she's not well, so she's not in crash this week. Okay, okay. So I might. I'm just on my way there now. Literally, don't call them from his house to mind right. them. Okay. Well, I'll let, I'll let you go and do that very important yeah. work, Jackie. Pass her number on to me, and oh. I can talk to her. Even if I can mind the kids for an hour or two for. Her. While she's bringing other kids to house, school, whatever. That's very, that's very, it's, very kind. It's of you, horrible, an awful situation to be in. Dreadful situation, Jackie. Thank you. That's very, very, very kind of you. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Skull. Mary says Skull Padre Pio is building an extension next door at the moment. That has hardly got anything to do with this. Probably not, but it just said it. Mention it for what it's worth. Thanks, Mary. 0818 96 96 96. The results are out tomorrow. Um, I can't ever remember them. Maybe I'm wrong, but I can't remember them coming out on the Friday before. But they're coming out tomorrow. Um, and already, as we wait for them to come out, 
one leader of a uh, principals organisation, Paul Crone, who's director of the National Association of Principals and Deputy Principals, he has said that the Leaving Cert is cruel and out of date. And he asks the question, and in advance of the results coming out, he asks the question, why we continue to do this to our young people? He says there needs to be meaningful change in how school leavers are assessed. People have been saying that since I was doing the Leaving Cert, and that isn't yesterday. Graham Manning, I think you would you agree with what Paul Crone is saying? It needs to be torn up and rewritten. Morning. Uh, good morning, PJ. How are you getting on? Um, I'll be honest, I wouldn't. No? Um, does it, like, what, what Paul is saying, no, I haven't read the whole thing, but I did read a bit of it. What he said, no disrespect, maybe he has the particulars, but it contains no detail whatsoever. It's just vague. Like, I, we've been here for years, I, you just said yourself, I've heard yourself since I did my leaving cert, and I, again, not yesterday, um, that it needs reform. It's like, okay, not against that. But what's the reform that it needs? Mm. The people we're talking about, oh, the new junior cert model, um, whereas continuous assessment, we should move to that for the leaving cert. Well, the continuous assessment, all it does is going from one, very stressful, not minimising that in any way, exam at the end of sixth year, to spreading that stress out over a period of two years. Mm. Um, from observing students, I don't see that as any improvement. I personally spe- speaking, I don't think the junior cert model is is working is effective, is doing what it said to do, the CBA's uh, classroom-based assessments. Um, there's been a host of problems with them. Um, I'm not saying it's, it can't ultimately find a place where it does work effectively, but I don't think it's there now. But, and, see, I'm, I, to a degree, I'm doing what Paul's doing as well in that, do I, because do I have a solution? I don't. Well, there are people pretend. above your pay grade and mine who are supposed to know these things, but I think it's patently, ob- it's patently obvious now, Graham, that three hours or three and a half hours sitting down writing is no longer a fair test of what you've been doing for effectively for five years. Um, I would agree with you, other than at the moment, we're currently see that now again, there are certain degree, um, obviously uh, a number of subjects would have um, part of the exam done beforehand, usually not a significant percentage. Um, but I mean, it, it can be from 10% up to 20, 25% of the exam done beforehand. So there is an element of the exam done before, and in a lot of subjects, not all of them, but in a lot of them. Um, do I agree with what you say? I do. But again, mm. I go back to the centre. What replaces what is, it? Yeah. You make another because very valid point, space. Graham, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see this because I'm often critical of people who want to take all the stress out of young people's lives. Yeah, there's too much yeah. of it there, but... In school, you've got to learn to deal with stress because the big world will throw it at you, mercilessly. It will. I mean, so so like this purpose, has to be stressful at some level, doesn't it? To a degree, yes. Like, um, the purpose of school, um, after obviously life with your parents and stuff, they were primary educator and all that, but the purpose of school is to prepare you for life. Life is stressful. Now, I'll be honest, it's not right now. I'm building a camp in the middle of the woods. But other than that, it's generally quite stressful. Bad things will happen. Difficult things will happen school's job is to in as much as it can prepare you for that if it doesn't do that then it is doing you a disservice mm-hmm. it's not fulfilling its function now that's not let's chuck on needless stress just for the crack mm-hmm. but if we get rid of all that stress now, like if you turn if you turn the whole thing into 
like college. You do assignment after assignment after assignment after assignment. Mm. Now, again, you're spreading out the stress, but for some students, would that be beneficial? Yeah. Yeah. But then, again, you turn into different things like um, chat GPI and stuff like that. You open yourself up to a whole other kettle of fish. You would also turn it, it would have to be continuous assessment. Uh, the teachers would most likely have to be doing all the correcting. Um, teachers have an issue, a variety of issues with that, me included. Um, what what, so, what issues do you have with that? The, per, uh, the person who's teaching the students and knows the students and knows them very well should not be the person doing the inter- uh, correcting and it, be, and, and it be known that they are. When you submit it to the Leaving Cert, uh, I corrected um, state exams for 10 years, every summer. Uh, once I stopped and had a summer off, I'm very clear to my wife, I'm never doing it again. And I won't. Mm. Uh, like I said, but for 10 years there, all I've got in front of me is a number. Any... Now, it wouldn't be deliberate biases, but any bias. Like, if, you, if I know someone and you think, oh, they've worked really, really hard and, you know, they had lots of different obstacles and a few difficult things in their life and stuff like that. And am I not, I'm trying to, or I'll try to be as unbiased as possible. Am I going to be biased in favour of that person I am? Mm. And if I'm correcting an exam and someone makes a mistake, I'm like, but I've been in class with this kid. I know they know that. Yeah. I, I've seen them. Yeah, it's, it's not a hypothetical. Correcting, correcting your own kids, correcting, correcting your own pupils' work is is never ideal. And in, at, at very least, another Graham Manning in Donegal should be should be collecting correcting that work. I would think. Agreed. 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 It, um, so, like, and ultimately, when it comes down to it, I mean, our education system is the most underfunded in the OECD, and continuously continuously produces some of the top results. We're not the very best in Finland or up there, but we're very very close for massive underinvestment. Mm. Um, something else that opening up with college graduates and all those things because like you say we need to do something with it but no one seems to have any specifics as to what we can do with yeah. it no one, I don't know if you heard another <laughs> someone's enjoying themselves I don't know whether you heard another discussion during the week there was an, a woman who had spent the summer correcting leaving cert English yes. and she, she, rang, she rang a national radio program and she said uh, the standard of handwriting she thought was appalling and I'm asking right, myself uh, uh, does she have a point is handwriting important anymore well I listen to okay is it important yes and if you go through primary school and I'm, obviously I'm not a primary school teacher you talk to any primary school teacher they'll go into the, the amount of time they spend on that so the idea that it's not being taught is not just plainly not true at secondary school is it a focus no it's not um, more important well not more importantly but uh, importantly for that particular teacher in my opinion, they'll never get to rec- uh, correct state exams again. Those exams aren't out, our results aren't out till tomorrow. And you are not, having done it for a decade, you are not allowed to have any discussion. She didn't identify a soul, though, did she? She didn't she identify She's still not allowed. Could have been I any be, batch of someone, papers. Yeah. yeah, if someone in the State Exams Commission wants to point out I'm wrong, fair enough. I'll be happy I'm wrong. I'm not saying I want her in, to be in any kind of measure of trouble or anything like that. But... You are not allowed to talk about that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, she, she did, and that's a matter for someone else to decide. But yeah. in terms of handwriting, she was correcting English. I would have yeah, thought. As that, did I. Yeah, as, you, as, as did you. So, yeah. you, you corrected for the essays. Years, you corrected all. Yeah, corrected like, all. If, if the stuff is illegible, Graham, it, it's, yeah. it's not going to go well for you. It's, it's not, but it's the corrector's job to spend as much time as is necessary to, in as much as you possibly can, Get, find out what the student's saying. It, no, is it always possible? No. But I mean, this particular teacher mentioned she thought 50% of the papers were, be- were legible. I don't know what batch of papers she ever got. Mm. But I, ever, I never got anything anywhere near that. Mm. Uh, you could take the zero off 
Yeah. Uh, let's say I would have normally corrected north of three hundred papers. Well, well, and well. You, you, they, you, you, if you corrected, less than 10. if you corrected it, then you clearly taught English. Did, did you ever get for um, say, a brilliant essay from a student or a brilliant piece of prose from a student and say, do you know what now, Tom or Mary, that's a fabulous essay, but I struggled to read it. Would you work on your writing a bit? Do you ever do that? No, because I can't write comments in the exam papers. No, but I mean, so in it, class, if it's my... a class exam. Oh, a class exam? Oh, of course I would say that. Yes, absolutely, of course. Yeah. Of course, because I know ultimately, like, I know that student, if I'm correcting their papers over a length of time, I'm more used to their writing. It's probably easier for their actual teacher to, oh, I know what that means. Um, and then, but obviously a corrector isn't good. So I'll drill it into my students and say, look, I can read what you're doing because we've been working together for two or three years or however long. There's a very, very good chance an ex- a corrector is not going to be able to. Now, it's their job. Like, I normally, you could fly through a paper and say, um, half, depending on the level of junior searches or leaving search, half an hour, an hour, whichever one you were doing. Um, and if I get a very difficult to read paper and it's going to take me two hours, then it takes me two hours. Right. That's what I'm paid for. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I'm not, <laughs> not well paid for, but that's another uh, mm. Um But also, th- th- there's a lot of students, let's say, like I um, teach an autism classes now, and I'm a mainstream teacher. Yeah. And um, not, uh, no, it's not just in the specific class. I'll actually, complete aside, fair play to the woman who was just on to you a few minutes ago. Very, very kind of her and really nice. Isn't it lovely? It's lovely yeah. to see stuff. It's lovely to see stuff like that. But. Um, a lot of my students would have additional educational needs, including, no, it's not uh, unique to autism or anything, like, and include dyslexia, dyscalculia, and stuff like that, which would make the writing poor yeah. and it diffi- uh, difficult to read. Now, in a lot of the cases, they can then use reasonable accommodations where they might get to record their yeah. exams. But yeah. getting comfortable and used to that yeah. is incredibly difficult. You can whistle for a scribe. You, uh, the, the odds, get, they've made that infinitely more difficult to get, uh, to get you to, get access to. Far, 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 far more difficult. I've had a student in years who's got a scribe. That's unfortunate. And much as I think a number would deserve it. Graham, thank you. Um, Handwriting, yeah, it matters, but not a hugely big deal, according to Graham. It's the job of the corrector to to suss out what what you're writing. And on the reform, Graham admits... And he's very experienced at this stage. We need reform. It's trying to figure out what exactly you do with it is is the problem. Just on the handwriting thing, though, I, I speak as someone whose handwriting is atrocious. Now, one of the reasons that my handwriting is atrocious is in 20... I sat in courts for years. I sat at press conferences for years. I kept notes. I have notebooks up in the attic full of lines and lines of small, neat writing. And then... I think it was 2005 or six. I slipped a disc in my neck and it caused a nerve to be compressed. And from that day to this, my writing is appalling. I actually had to, as an aside, had to learn to write again. Um, and now my writing is brutal. Um, I can write, but after more than a few words, it's a scrawl. But how important is handwriting? Do you think? Your own handwriting now, not just necessarily school, your own handwriting. Think about the last time you actually wrote something in the real world by hand. How is your hand? Frank says you don't need good handwriting to be a doctor. Oh, God, I know. <laughs> Prescriptions. Yeah, I know. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I don't think the situation, this is on the phone, I don't think the situation with the shortage of childcare can be resolved whether the government puts money into it or not. 
there really are just too many people looking for childcare compared to the number of people that want to work in that sector. Whether people like it or not, I see a future where a lot of couples are just going to have to look after their children until the age of four and five. It's a take. Can't see it being a popular one. But we put it out there. Things are now just such a shortage of people working in childcare that maybe we need to go back to the day when people worked, or people stayed at home rather, until their children were ready for school. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. The lines are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Parks 96 FM. Yeah, just we were just, um, by the way, I said I'd mention it. We were doing a little happy dance in the office yesterday at midday because we are so thrilled. Uh, to have been nominated here at the Opinion Line for two uh, national radio awards at the IMRO Awards, which come up in early October. Delighted to be nominated for two awards there. Um, personally, I'm chuffed to bits to be nominated as uh, a shortlist for speech broadcaster of the year, like, like me. I mean, come on. And then we have been nominated for the story of Andy and C. And do you remember? the two lads that wanted to be together and we were able to help that so we got a nomination for that those awards given out in um, in early October so we're on the short list and we're really happy about it and well done to Simon Mordock as well he got a nomination in fact we've got five nominations here at 96FM and one for our friends over at C103 so we'll have a good night in Kilkenny in October it's, it's nice you know they're, they're the good days in the job 0818 96 96 96 the number the text or whatsapp is 083 396 96 96 and the email opinion at 96fm.ie back to the before five family centre another one another person who caught up in this is you Brenda good morning Good morning, PJ. Thanks for having me on. Delighted. What's your own story? So I have a child who's gone through the Before Five services um, and a child who was due to start next Thursday um, for crash services because it was such a fantastic place to send them. I chose to send my child early to avail of the services they provided. And yesterday we got a text, a very sort of impersonal text, I would say, at 4.15. I was getting ready to go to work and it was informing us that with immediate effect, the centre would be closed. Just like that. Yeah. As soon as that happened, my phone blew up with people reacting to it. I had people crying, just women in strife, not knowing what they're going to do with their children because mm. they expect them to start next week. You've one child finished and one child was about to one start. One child went through the service. Yeah. yeah, he's going to big school and the other child was down since birth to go there because the service, I can't recommend it enough. It was, they were just fantastic up there and not just as a creche and Montessori school, but also it gave um, adult programs like yoga. There was baby massage. There was a lot of different other um, schemes that they ran that were like amazing for the community. And it's so heartbreaking that that has been pulled so rapidly without any notice. Was there even the slightest hint that anything was up? 
Not at all. We all received our registration forms as we typically would in July to confirm our places with questions mm-hmm. asking about the children's preferences so that they could integrate into the school. We had sent them all back and it was just yesterday evening that we we got the notice. So all the paperwork was done, everything was tickety-boo and then... Absolutely. Bang. And would you see the reaction to it in terms of people saying, how could we have helped if we had known as a community that something like this was afoot? I am sure there would have been a groundswell of support to do whatever we could to fundraise to support the service and staying open. So that's what's really frustrating, that there wasn't even an opportunity given to us as a community to support the service. It was just a flash in the dark that they... I'm not, to close I, I'm not just saying it because they're my listeners and I'm not blowing smoke anywhere it shouldn't be blown as they say Brenda but I think the people in that part of our city if you said to them this place needs help they'd have they'd have torn up the road to help you without a doubt yeah. without a doubt because people know how important it is I can't recall how long it's been operating in the area 50 but years. I know 50 when I was, years 50 years so I was meeting grandmothers and mothers when I went there first who said that they had gone through it or their children had gone through it and just talking so commendably about the staff and the professionalism there mm. it's very hard to leave your child especially your first child in a location and they were so wonderful for me I was pregnant at the time when I was leaving him he was very emotional it was in COVID so you couldn't actually you know, stay in there with him. Mm. And they were so incredible and made sure that he had the best start to education. So I was really looking forward to having a similar experience for my, my second child. And I'm sure everyone in the community would echo that. What, what are you going to do now for your second child? Now, thankfully, the Cork City Childcare Services did provide a long list of locations that may have okay. facilities available. So this is the, um, this is the group in. referred to in the message yesterday. Exactly. And I'm sure they were inundated with calls. They were very professional and got back to people as soon as they possibly could to try and offer some reassurance. Um, and I'd have to commend the Mon Ninara, which are looking into starting an afternoon session to, to fill the void there. And that's basically they had no notice to do that, but they would seem to be willing to do that. So hopefully other, you know, childcare services might be able to do the same. But I understand it's very short notice. That's that's the big thing as well. People have to work, they have jobs. Childcare is a bit of a minefield anyway. And to have it just taken from you a week mm. in advance, you know, how are people supposed to cope? We're in a cost of living crisis as well, trying to secure new services. They might have deposits that need to be taken. Yeah. You know, I'm not too sure that the people who made this decision factored the impact it would have on the families. Yeah. Do you mind me asking, do you, have, do you work yourself, Brenda? I do. I work, I work part-time. And okay. I was hoping actually with the... My, my second child starting childcare that I'd be able to take on more hours. I work in retail, so we'll have a busy Christmas. Yeah. And I was hoping that would be there to help and support me doing some more hours, perhaps. Mm. But. Well, I hope that you do get sorted with somewhere. Uh, I, I, I hope I do too, but mainly I hope for the communities, especially people who are starting the government-funded scheme. Already I feel that there is some sort of discrimination in that. There's only one intake. There used to be two intakes before... Um, and childcare services are stretched. And if you're trying to avail of that, and that's you know free childcare for part of the day for your children, where are those people going yeah. to go? Yeah, Brendan. Yeah, yeah. I, I wish everybody well. It's 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 so it's heartbreaking actually. Brenda, thank you. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. To reiterate again, and 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 I am putting this out there for what it's worth. If there's any member of the board of before five listening um, that would be willing to to speak with me 
then I'd love to speak with you. But the board issued us a statement last evening and we had requested an interview on the opinion line, but they came back with a statement. They said this decision wasn't made lightly. We understand the impact it'll have. There was a myriad of different reasons. And they find themselves faced with the difficult choice of closing the doors. We have thoroughly, thoroughly considered all the alternatives and have made this decision in the best interest of everyone. And they refer to Cork City Childcare, which Brenda said has been very helpful with them, which is great. Donna hadn't had such luck uh, with them when I talked to her earlier this morning, but maybe it's just a, a question to keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. Well, if we do get any more on this story, we will we'll bring it to you um, as it happens. 0818969696. There is a staff meeting at midday. Perhaps more will emerge from that. Uh, only time will tell. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Let me show you what it's all about. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96 FM. Be with me in the afternoon for the biggest names. Hi, Ed Sheeran here. What's happening, everybody? It's Tom Gwennon. This is Dear Lipa. I'm always good for brilliant giveaways, and we'll have the chats as well. I mean, at the end of the day, myself and yourself, we're the same. Our favourite thing to do at the weekend is... As I said earlier, the most important, right? Salt and vinegar, loads of it. Battered sausage and potato pie, yes, please. Large chips, thank you. Yeah, and I'm not sharing. Let me show you what it's all Simon Murdoch, midday to 4 p.m. With Atlantia Clinical Trials. Get paid to advance science by joining a study at their Blackpool Clinic. See AtlantiaClinicalTrials.com for more. On Cork's 96FM. In 30 days from now, how would you like to be in the Stade de France with gold category tickets and hospitality to watch Ireland versus South Africa? We can arrange that for you. Fly it there, put you up three nights in Paris, and send you to the match. It's the ultimate rugby experience watching Ireland on the world stage. It all starts Monday morning, quarter past eight. You need to be listening to find out how to win your way to that big game. Stade de France, Ireland versus South Africa, September 23rd, 30 days from now, Monday, 8.15, only on Cork's 96 FM. Now, Tracy's family went for a special birthday party. A uh, big celebration with family and friends at Airtastic. A very well-known and very popular place. But but it didn't go according to plan. Tracy, good morning. Uh, good morning, PJ. Um, my nephew's birthday, Oren, he was six, and he's a type 1 diabetic, so she organised the party. Yeah. She sent an email two weeks ago to explain that we had three children, including Oren, with um, additional needs. Right. That one, my niece, Megan, that she was in a wheelchair. So the email was sent. We had no response. So we just took it for granted then that everything was okay. Now, she did contact the... They have a phone line as well mm-hmm. that you can contact, and she rang that to make sure that everything was okay. But again, there was no... No one answered the phone. Right. The kids were... There was supposed 18, 20 children there. They were given socks to go into the soft play area. Mm-hmm. All of the children. 
they were given um, a tutorial video on what their behaviour and what they were yeah. doing there. Standard practice, yeah. And uh, one of the a girl, a member of staff, approached us and said that Megan couldn't go in. Okay. After being given the socks and the video and the last, and uh, we asked why, and they said, um, can Megan physically walk on her own? Because she's in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. So, even though Megan doesn't, she's she's small amount of words, PJ, not loads now, but she's mostly non-verbal. What age is she? She's 13. Okay. She communicates with sign language, okay. but she understands everything that you say to her. Mm-hmm. So when Megan heard the lady say that about her being able to walk, she got out of the wheelchair herself and she showed the girl that she could walk. So, uh, so she, can, she can walk, can she? For, for she can, yeah, she can. She can, she can take a few steps. She can take a good few steps. Right, right. Um, yeah. So the, the girl said, no, no, she can't go in. She was going into the, the play area without the wheelchair. The wheelchair wasn't going into the play area at all. So, anyway, we asked for the manager uh, the policies that they have on this situation. They refused it. We couldn't be shown it. They wouldn't we show asked, you the policy, no? No, 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 no. We looked online and we saw that they are they are not, This their policy is they cannot assess a child, but you can you can sign a waiver. What? The parent or guardian can sign a waiver. So we asked to do that and again we were refused. So then again we asked for the general manager. That was the second time she went to get him and he actually came down and his reply was no, she's not going in. Huh? That was the, that was the reply we got. So Megan had, to be re- Megan had to be removed from the area, away from her friends, her cousins. And we were heartbroken, PJ. There was actually people there were there, nothing to do with the party. Roman men and women actually left crying over the situation. How was she herself? She was upset. She was very upset now, PJ, I have to say that. The same choice now, we took her bowling. We took her into the bowling park. Just myself, my sisters, my mother... The rest of the day, and friends, family stayed with the party, and the same child stood up and threw a bowling ball. This is the child that can't play in a soft air, soft play area, but could bowl. So they wouldn't let Megan into the soft play area, but she yes. went on to, to to go bowling. Exactly. And they had no problem with that. No. Nope. Right. No. Nope. Now my point is, PJ, we had, as I said at the start, we had three kids yesterday with additional needs. Megan's is visible. She's in a wheelchair. Oren is type 1 diabetic. His pump is hidden under his clothes. Mm. He still had to be minded. He was allowed in. Another little child has autism. That child was perfectly okay to go in as well. Just because she's in a wheelchair. She was able to walk in. She was able to sit down. She would have been well able to play. Uh, Yeah, I just keep coming back to that one, uh, Tracy. So she'd have been able to get out of her chair... Walk yep. into the play area. Yeah. Do do her play. Yep. And then walk back out and get back into her wheelchair. Exactly. She was perfectly capable of doing that. She was, yeah. But she was. but they weren't having it. No, they weren't having it. No, he said no. And that was the answer we got. We've sent an email to them on on your behalf to see what what comes back. But come back to what you said to me earlier on. 
you had emailed in advance. We emailed in advance. We would never, ever leave any harm come to her. Never. We never have. We never will. We'll fight for everything that she needs and that's just the type of family we are. We adore Megan. So anywhere we do go, we always make sure that the situation is going to be okay. We never, ever would want the child to be in a situation like she was in yesterday. Let's see what comes back from management, Tracy. DJ, thank you very much. Good talking to you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank Cheer- you. Cheers, Tracy. Have a, have a nice day. We've no idea what was going on there, so we've sent an email, and if anything comes back, we'll certainly let you know. 0818 96 96 96. Just back to childcare and the before five centre. Um, on the phone, I think the government needs to stop creating all these schemes and just come up with a holistic, fully integrated preschool system. So many parents need to work now to pay their bills and their mortgages or their rent. They introduce something different every year and what people need is just the one place that looks after the child until school starts. So many people have said for years, thanks for that, so many people have said for years, Elaine Dunn, for example, being one of them, and others, and this morning, Mick Barry said it, like, and many other politicians from all sides have said, what we need to do is bring that whole sector under the umbrella of education and fund it like we fund every other kind of of education um, whether it'll ever happen who knows Ted ah Ted Deneen Ted Deneen meow flower you heard about how upset young Megan was and you've already you've already gone up to cheer her up you're 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 a, you're a legend morning Ted morning PJ how are y'all great yeah yeah I just um, I was a bit upset to be honest you know, it's just, um, you know, a lot of people out there have, have special needs, children and autistic children, etc. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm kind of involved in Sanctuary's helper there as well. So yeah, it's, one of the it's very close to your heart. You, you help out with Sanctuary. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, indeed. But but just, uh, the you know, just up on Facebook there from, from friends and family, and it just caught my attention. So I was up in the canteen and I was on to James... Tommy of of the the boys and girls of Naka and Tony Fitzgerald and I said well, will I call up and uh, they said why not you know so I was able to make contact and with their help and then I met Noel Kanji he he done a lot for the family as well and uh, I arranged anyway to arrive I only told the, the, the mother there and the child got very excited and it was it was a great to, to actually see the joy in her face mm. and. Uh, there was a lot of kids there because there was a Debs on as well. Brilliant. What, what and, did you do? Uh, you went up. Did you, did you just just arrived? You know, the the we we I do up an old car every couple of years for the old Santa's helper. You know, but this year we done um, we done with a Lightning McQueen team. So oh, it has all the, and uh, we had it in the parade with Katrina Tomey for for Penny Dinners with Penny Dinners logos on it. You know, mm. and. Um, it's just all for, for, for charity stuff, but we've taken the car to Dublin to all the uh, schools where there's autistic children and we trained them and coached them. It's called the High Five. Mm. So I said I'd try and do something near her home and I went up anywhere and we got a great reception and you could see the happiness in her face and I, I felt good in my heart, you know? You did. Oh, yeah. The mother took the child around the block in for a spin and. Uh, they took photographs in the car and I was chatting away with her 
And uh, they're very, very um, united family. I must admire what they said on Facebook, and I, I um, got a nice cup of tea in the middle of it. So we waited for the chap that was collecting the daughter for the Debs, so he got his photographs and herself as well. But it was a great day, and I felt good that that she got, uh, you know, something after the disappointment oh, of what happened in Bishopstown, you know? Fair play. Fair play, Ted. You're, so, you're, and she she sang yeah. a little song and all, did she? She sang. She sang. Um, um, she she likes um, traditional music, you mm. know, uh, rebel songs like mm. that. And mm-hmm. um, she she done uh, a song in sign language, which Lovely. was absolutely fantastic. Lovely. You know, Lovely. but we had her own little chats. You know, mm. she she you know, I got a hug when I was leaving. And Ted, you have, a special, felt, you have a very but, special bond with these youngsters, in fairness to you. You really do. Yeah, yes. Yes, everyone tried to do good, PJ, you know yourself. And, uh, you know, I just hope that, that you know, people kind of open their eyes now that uh, autistic uh, children are, are as important as everyone, you know. Yes. Please God, now we're going to launch the high five here in Cork in the North Mon. Okay. In the near future, okay, you know. great, great. So I well, let me know. Posted. Let me know when that's happening, won't you? I certainly will. And best of luck with your awards as well. Thank you know, well, well, well overdue. God bless you. Thank you very much, Ted. So very nice talking to you. Anyway, no you more too, to say. You now you too, as always. You mind yourself. The great Ted Deneen always doing little favors for people like that. He just went up in this car of his. That's oh, <laughs> Lightning McQueen. There's a memory. There's a, the Unfula wore out. Now you can. He wore out two DVDs. Of Cars the movie. Actually, wore them out. So, Lightning McQueen was a big part of our house for a while. The cars don't open. He went just went up and took her for a spin around the block and just made a fuss of her. You know? That was lovely. Thanks, Ted. Uh, Megan, um, oh, I'm sorry, that's not, it's just on the phone. It's about Megan. I'm here and I'm listening in a rage hearing what happened to that child. I feel like pumping iron or something to get rid of me rage. A child should never be discussed like that. The whole trick in bringing up a child is to make sure they feel they can do anything, see anything, go anywhere, and do anything. It must have been devastating for her to hear that that conversation. Frank, you're a bad man, but you're funny. Listening to Ted talking about little Megan, and he took her out in the car and gave her a spin just to make up what happened to her. Down to Dairtastic, and she sang a little rebel song in sign language. <laughs> Frank says, I hope she didn't sing Celtic Symphony. She'll get in notes. Frank, you bud. Bad news. Bad news. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Coach 96 FM. Win a pair of Apple AirPods with Quartz 96 FM. Just take our 10-minute music survey and you're in the draw. Tell us the tunes you'd listen to on repeat and what songs we should delete. Win your very own Apple AirPods. Give it a go right now. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. C96FM.ie Fiona, you were listening to Tracy telling me about what happened to Megan. Good morning. Morning, Peter. How are you? Good. What would you like to say? I'd just like to say, Peter, anybody that does that to any child with special needs, mm. oh my God, the poor child, I see it on Facebook, the child was heartbroken, being taken out of there, you could see it. Mm. Yeah. 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. She even uh, showed them she could stand up and walk out yeah. of her chair. And, yeah. um, as a grandmother of a special needs baby that has been in hospital for the last 14 days mm. between Crumlin and Cork. Mm. that we're lucky to have her three and a half um, if I thought anybody would do that to her in another couple of years when she could go to these kinds of places mm. teacher, I'm sorry now I put them in the wheelchair not the child <laughs> I'm sorry now I put don't them be a in bit the sorry don't be a bit sorry I this... put them in the wheelchair and left the child and as for Ted Ted came to our home at Christmas and he made it more magical for Naomi and Joshua and the pictures were just outstanding Ted is he's fantastic and what I'm on to you know PJ because I didn't get a chance to go on to you in the last 14 days when our baby did get sick on the Wednesday night Mm -hmm. we were told three to four hours for an ambulance what three to four hours and my car was directed to Leithrum and that's where they were trying to get me an ambulance from. Good God. Yeah. And we took her ourselves. My brother-in-law came down and took her with her mom. And the doctor actually met my daughter yesterday. She's only back in Cox's Tuesday with her. And he said, I didn't think you'd be back. I didn't think she'd pull through. She's a miracle. Yeah. Now the ambulance, the ambulance system, and the way the way stuff is dispatched is is just oh, a joke. It's oh, a joke. The people, the people who come in the ambulance are just brilliant at what yeah. they do. But, but brilliant. But by the time brilliant they get to you, they do. but the time they get you, like and, and where they're coming from, it's just. Peter, they were queued up outside the CUH waiting to be admitted in the actual emergency when they were dealt with ambulances. I know, I know, I know. I know. So they also, it's just crazy the way they're dispatched. How is the little one now? She's she's okay. Did she's we talk okay. before, Fiona? We did. About we did. this the little same, one. About the ambulance again, we did. Yeah, yeah. We I did. And now. we're hoping she'll be home another day or two. Fabulous. Because we have a brother here. He's only seven, Joshua, and he's missing her very much. And he's so. missing his mummy as well. And right. the same thing happened last year when they were on the summer holiday. Poor Naomi spent nine weeks in the CUH. Okay. All right. Well, this, here's hoping that she makes a full recovery from this little upset. But thank you, Fiona. And your your point about what happened to young Megan is valid. Um, and the praise of Ted Deneen. Ted Deneen's a legend. You know, I think this city, this country, but this city needs to be awarding people like uh, like Ted Deneen. Really do. But maybe it's something we could do in the Best of Cork Awards. I think we did it before where we had a, a category for the Corkonian of the year, the Cork person of the year. Um, I think we should bring that back, or somebody else should do an awards system for something like like someone like Ted Denny. I know the Pride of Cork Awards coming up in 2024, and I'll be involved with it. I, I think I think we might have to do something there, as you know. 0818 96 96 96. Now, we've had messages ongoing about what happened at Ironman on Sunday and we all know that that story there are many chapters left in it and we won't really know what happened and the timeline of anything for quite some time yet 
we only know what we've been told, conflicting statements and all of that. And it is what it is, and it'll play out as it plays out. But Tom says to me, there are two debates going on at the moment. One is about whether the race should have happened and who said what to whom. But I want to address the more important debate. Once it was known that one man or two men had died, it should just have been stopped. The fact they carried on, in my mind, is obscene. That's no disrespect to the dead men. Closing down after a death is just decency in any area, not just in sport. Thanks for that, Tom. Well, Lorraine, this whole thing struck a chord with you because this is Lorraine Dempsey You're from Cork, Lorraine living, living in Wicklow. Carl was your husband, a very, very keen sportsman. He died during an event in the west of Ireland, I think it was, uh, Lorraine, in 2021. Good morning. Morning, PJ. Yeah, I suppose the last couple of days have been difficult and I've been reflecting on the loss of Brendan Wall and Ivan Shittenden and kind of, you know, having a sense of what their families are going through right now. My own husband, Carl, was uh, an avid um, participant in adventure racing, gale force events and kind of Wicklow roars. And these would be kind of uh, races that wouldn't have involved swimming. They would have been uh, kind of running, kayaking and mm. mountain biking. He, he wasn't really the best of swimmers, so he preferred these types of adventure races. But they were quite grueling, anywhere from kind of 10, 15 kilometres upwards to 70, 80, 90. So not for uh, anybody who wasn't well prepared. So for him, the pinnacle of the year was actually Gale Force West, um, which was usually held kind of out kind of Mayo, Galway direction. Um, and he'd do a huge amount of training for this throughout the year. Um, you know, 70 kilometres, like about 35 kilometres cycling. Then there was a kayaking piece across kind of Killary Harbour, which is a magnificent place if you're ever down there. Um, and then uh, a big long run that would usually involve a mountain like, uh, the, like the Crow Patrick. Wow. So not your everyday event, but he just couldn't wait for this to happen mm. every year. Super fit guy, I take it. Absolutely. While he was, you know, growing older and he was in his late 40s, he was actually never more fit, uh, you know. And like, he, he was, you know, he, in his head, he was going to do the best times ever. And as it turns out, up until the point where he got into difficulties, he was kind of breaking a lot of his own previous personal records. So, you know, he headed off on a Friday in September and didn't, unfortunately didn't come back to us. The race was on Saturday, the 11th of September, um, and it was taking place in Connemara and, you know, the most spectacular surroundings. So he left here on Friday. He dropped my youngest to school, who was had just turned six at the time. And um, then he just came in and I was on a work meeting uh, and uh, he just came up behind me, gave me a kiss and I kind of shooed him away. And that was that. So Saturday morning, he would have got up really early, probably around kind of half five, six got all his gear ready for the race and his bike would have been dropped off um, at the centre there in um, Killary Harbour and he was with the Superfish and they were the first to head off in the morning about 7am and by all accounts he was buzzing and uh, you know he had a really good uh, cycle, he was bombing along with the top 10 we now kind of you know we've heard from people that he was complaining along the way of um, just a bit of indigestion Mm -hmm. and he, he was regretting a banana that he'd had early that morning and the next part of the race then they did uh, kayak and that was grand and then the final bit was a mountain run 
going up and down a mountain uh, overlooking Killary Harbour and we, we've, we've spoken to people who were racing along the way with him and um, as he was going up the mountain he'd started to kind of slow down. Now for, for most people this is a gruelling race anyway and yes. for a lot of the participants even though they're really fit it's still a massive physical challenge and a mental one probably even more so but um, he, he stopped a couple of times and uh, got up again and just carried on and I just don't think he knew what was actually happening to him he, he just felt queasy and unwell but look the first time he did this race when he was younger he vomited halfway around the course it's just yeah. physically um, challenging um, and at one point uh, a colleague of his actually who worked with him there was a couple of them had been down for the race just saw Carl sitting down and, and he just told him look go on I'll catch up with you and that was probably the last person to to speak with him and the, the next race goes um, to come up over the top of the mountain actually just found him on the ground oh, and um, immediately just started CPR. The, the first person to see him was actually a healthcare professional yeah. um, and then all those who came up upon him after that also like, you know, loads of them had first aid or were healthcare professionals. Um, so look, you know, you had the best people there at the time but, um, you know, they kept going but unfortunately he was uh, already gone. But, um, so sorry to hear know. that. So sorry yeah. to hear that. So what happened? Did the race continue? No, so, um, you know, when the race scores, I think, look, Carl, you know, kind of um, collapsed about 20 metres from the crest of the mountain where there was a race official um, there who wouldn't have been able to see him. He would have been out of his sight, but one of the race scores uh, went up, alerted them, and they alerted kind of the, the the managers and they kicked in with their kind of emergency protocols. Um, you know, somebody went back down the mountain to get a defibrillator. They called the emergency services. Um, and uh, actually it was a helicopter that eventually dropped um, kind of the paramedics uh, on the mountain but um, you know and everything happened quite quickly um, they did stop anybody who was further up the mountain they went over the crest and down towards the finish line um, and then anybody who hadn't started actually the climb up the mountain they were stopped at that point mm. and diverted around the mountain back to the finish line so um, it was only those that were higher up that uh, went up and over um, yes. and at that stage So those who know, were they, gone beyond the point where where Carl collapsed they were allowed yeah, to finish they, they, they continued on yes. down, yeah, up and over because they were just near the crest of the mountain and the finish line was over the far side um, and at this stage you know people were working away on him you know they, they, they were just doing their very best um, other people stopped to actually help him take over so there was actually quite a few people involved because they did um, you know attempt to resuscitate him for 45 minutes and anybody who has done this including myself it's exhausting so to keep going for that long you know take the whole team of people um, and at the point in time when kind of emergency services were there then you know they, they kind of um, got them to stand down but um, you know so people were coming up stopping that were kind of you know more than qualified to help um, and everybody else were being kind of moved away from the scene and they would have been just the ones who were already near the top anyway mm-hmm. um, so you know obviously people were kind of told that there was a medical emergency on the mountain and just they were diverted at that mm-hmm. point um, but they didn't kind of you know finish the race with times and um, yeah. it's only those that were 
ahead of Carl um, actually got to finish uh, that actually you know got their times uh, yeah. for that year but I don't think there was any celebrations with that yeah I'm so sorry for, for your loss Lorraine and, and that must have been an awful thing to get that news at home yeah it was just you know the Saturday kind of early afternoon and the phone rang and it was um, the, the, the race organiser just look explaining that there was a medical emergency and um, it was cardiac related the helicopter was en route and they had a defibrillator up there and for now that's all that they knew at that point mm. because they they weren't on the mountain they would have been kind of you know at their base my my background originally was nursing so I kind of had uh, I suppose at that point knew that this was extremely serious um, and I just you know started to kind of ring family and, mm. and just get everybody I suppose um, activated, I thought, you know, I'm going to need to head out west. Um, we're living, well, we're from Cork originally, both of us, but we're settled in Wicklow. So my first thought was, right, I'm going to need to drive over there. And about kind of, you know, 20 minutes or so later, then one of uh, my husband's good friends who used to race with him every year, he then rang me. And the minute I heard his voice at the phone, I knew that it would be the news that I'd been dreading. Yeah. Been dreading. It turned out afterwards that Carl had a heart condition that you didn't know about. Yes. Um, obviously, there was a, you know, post-mortem was conducted pretty quickly. Carl had no history with GPs bar going for an ear infection when we lived in London in the 90s. He was never really sick. He had, you know, the occasional cold, but he was fit. I was the one who was kind of overweight, used to smoke and, you know, needed, didn't get out and exercise. But like he ticked all the boxes for being, doing what you needed to do, you know, to kind of prolong your life, if you like. So we had no idea what had happened to him. Look, we knew he, he had a cardiac arrest, but beyond that, we didn't know why. So it was only about six months later that when we did get the report then that we, we did get kind of a shock that he actually had you know, kind of hiding away moderate coronary artery disease. Mm. Um, and this is, isn't something that would happen over years. It would have been, you know, decades in the making. And also that he had a mild heart attack the week before. Mm. Um, and he just didn't recognise no any idea. of the symptoms because he was never unwell. Yeah. He just thought he had pulled a muscle and he took a day off training. Um, so it, last year, which was the first time the Gale Force um, uh, West did their long, their kind of 70 kilometre race again. Um, I was fortunate enough to be given the opportunity to speak to the race participants before they headed off in the morning. Um, you know, and I suppose the key thing that I wanted them to know is actually why he did pass away, that it wasn't, um, you know, this big question mark for them because, look, these were all fit guys and girls there, you know, it really impacted on all of them psychologically, kind of, you know, they, you know, they all had kids, friends, families, yeah. and, and nobody expected you just leave one day and not come back when you were doing something like this. Mm. But uh, so I really wanted them to know that actually, you know, there there are kind of there was something hidden from him, and you know, I had yeah. two hundred kind of elite athletes there in front of me who all felt that they were kind of you know invincible and and mm. super fit. But I did kind of want them to kind of realise, look, you know go get checked out, you know, periodically. If you're fit and healthy, great, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't get screened yeah. or, or just see your GP every year or two and just say hi, you know, just check my blood pressure, cholesterol, whatever. 
you know, that that was a message I wanted them to have, but also peace of mind to know that, look, you know, Carl did, you know, pass away doing something he absolutely yes. loved. Um, one of the participants actually sent me a photo from that day, just um, what Carl would have seen on the top of the mountain. And, you know, like, if you could, if you could pick and choose the way to go, you know, obviously he was way too young to die at 47, but it was, you know, he was at the height of doing what he loved enjoyment, to do. Doing what he loved, and he would have known, he was wearing a Garmin watch, and he would have known that he was blasting his time, so he would have been just pushing himself, um, you know, knowing that this was the best race ever, but unfortunately for him, it was his last one. Okay. Lorraine, when the news broke Sunday, from y'all you from what you're telling me were able to empathise more than most in fact an awful lot more than any of us what did you think about the fact that the race the event continued on Sunday to be honest I was actually very surprised that it did um, and that's without seeing any kind of videos of the conditions or anything Um, I think it's one thing to carry on the race while somebody's being attended to but once you know that there's been like one fatality and in this case which is extremely rare multiple fatalities at that point I think out of uh, not just respect for the, the families and the individuals who have passed away but also even from a safety point where you have so many first responders and rescue teams involved in looking after two people um, just for me personally it, it, it would have it left a bad taste in my mouth. I think it'd be good just for people to know, particularly your Cork listeners, that there is a candlelit vigil in Yall at 7pm tonight in Green Park and things like that are so meaningful for the families even though they mightn't be here because, you know, with Brendan live and a lot you know, they'd be living abroad but you know, I know for, you know myself and and Carl's family that our own community here um, in in Kilmechanic and Wicklow, um, you know they've, they've kind of commemorated Carl's life and even though he was a Cork man and we were only living here a few years they, they've still continued to commemorate him um, so his second anniversary is coming up in on the 11th of September and uh, the local GA club want to bring the kids um, my youngest who's eight now is on the local GA club teams and you know they propose kind of walking up our local mountain with the kids you know it's a it's a reasonable walk for them just because the training falls on that day and I just thought what a lovely gesture you know yeah, the indeed. fact that they remember it's anniversary as well so you know I just urge people to if, if they're around the area to attend the candlelit vigil because okay. I think even if images are sent back to the families you know it just shows that people care um, and that they valued the, the lives of Brenton and Ivan and they you know they were doing something that they loved. I think for them not to be forgotten in all of this. That's that's an important point, Lorraine. And I wanted to get to it before we finish. The discussion is ongoing. We'll continue for some time. But at the heart of this are Brendan's family and Ivan's family. You know what it's like to be that family. And I think you're asking us, think of the families first. Think of the families and remember Brendan and Ivan. Um, they didn't know them, but anybody who gets involved in these kinds of activities are hugely passionate about them. You know, they said goodbye to their families, and neither of those men ever imagined that they wouldn't be coming home alive. All right, Lorraine, my thoughts are with you today, and thanks. Thanks, PJ. Yeah, that event is tonight in. 
uh, Green Park, y'all. It's a vigil for Brendan and Ivan. Uh, seven o'clock, Green Park, and y'all, you're asked to please bring a candle or a torch. And I think Brendan's funeral is actually on on today. So we think of them. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Join the conversation. This is the opinion line with Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over thirty five years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's ninety six FM. Mostly dry today with long spells of sunshine and just a few passing showers. Top temperatures of eighteen or nineteen degrees. Yo, back to school weather, Maurice. Oh. Back to school. <laughs> the minds are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 9696 um, and it looks like, it looks like, it'll be all right. That's good. 0818 96 96 96, the number, the text to WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96. And the email's opinion at 96fm.ie. Now, Premier League Live is back on 96fm.ie this Saturday from midday. Powered by TalkSport. Busy weekend again for Trevor Welsh and the crew. Live coverage of Bournemouth against Spurs at half 12 Arsenal versus Fulham at 3 and Brighton against West Ham at 5.30 and of course everything else from the day's action as it happens it's the Premier League live online with Harvey Norman your home of the big screen you can listen Saturday on the Cork's 96FM app or you can go to 96FM.ie now yesterday we had a long conversation about the cashless society and, and I actually have stuff held over that I didn't read and Simon was listening to that conversation. Simon is here on holidays, I think from the UK. Simon, I'll get to you in just a second but let us remind ourselves, if you wouldn't mind for a minute, of the prediction made by the money doctor, John Lowe who John himself professes to love cashlessness he's no problem with it, he thinks it's convenient for him and he's happy with it. He does everything through his phone. But John reckons we're headed that way. We're headed for a cashless society and there's kind of no stopping it. You know, by 2031, PJ, we will have a cashless society. Now, I do feel sorry for the likes of charities, uh, for people who, who unfortunately are out on the street and, and, and begging. They survive on cash and, and coins and if, if they're not available any longer. One of the benefits, though, of a cashless society is that you go down to your, your, your corner and if you are into drugs, which I'm not, um, you can't expect your drug dealer to have a card reader. I use my card, I use my phone, mm. all these things. I am personally very uncomfortable with the removal of that choice. You say it's convenient, I don't doubt that it is. I would put it to you, John, it's far more convenient for the bank and far more convenient well, for the you, vendor you, than it is for me. Ab- absolutely right there, Peter, because it is a, 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 about money, actually, at the end of the day. I mean, the, uh, all the bank branches have reduced around. Bank of Ireland reduced their branch, branch network by, two, by one third. Even the ATMs are being reduced. There's also still that thing about um, security on cash. You know, people rob people for cash. You know... Uh, the advantages, John, and I'm, I'm, I'm with you, the advantages are stacking up, and every week there's a new reason 
to work online or work cashless. There's a new yeah. there's a new positive. But are you are you predicting for me and you and like I said you never give me a bum steer. Are you <laughs> predicting for me that we will lose the choice and we have no choice in the loss of that choice? I think that it's inevitable that the cashless where it's in your accounts and bank accounts and you're using your credit cards, your prepaid cards uh, and your debit visa cards and your IBAN and your BIC numbers, if if you go directly into a bank, they're going to be more and more uh, in vogue. That's John Lowe from yesterday. Simon, you were listening to to that conversation. You're on holidays in Ireland at the moment. You had some thoughts. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, I did. Um, just replaying really that that uh, sound clip has also raised a couple of extra points okay. I'd like to discuss. But the the concern for me is the the effect it's going to have on local economies, like small villages, people, places that are away from the big cities, where there's a lot of cash in circulation. With certainly with older the older population, and like I put in my email to you, when when you pay ten euro cash for something the person receiving that 10 euro it's still worth 10 euro to them but if you pay it contactless it's worth a little bit less on every single transaction mm. so their va- their money's being devalued and if we if we're having that choice taken away from us it's an it's a small erosion of the freedom that we have and it's it's a it's a very thin edge of a very big wedge but the two points that were raised in that same clip about first of all um people get robbed for cash how many times have we seen companies go bankrupt for the extent of hundreds of millions or even billions of dollars in cash? And this is all supposed to be in a protected system in the banking system, and yet this money vanishes, is never recovered, and quite yeah. often is bailed out by governments. Yeah. But the second point about saying well, you're not going to go to your local drug dealer on the corner, I know cities around the world where you can order through WhatsApp pay digitally and the drugs are delivered to your door yeah yeah so those yeah. two those those two arguments are completely irrelevant it's it's back to the impact it's going to have to people who don't have substantial savings whether they're making interest from the bank so they can at least recover some of those fees or some people who do only ever get paid in cash for the for the work that they do is that still happening do you think Obviously, you know some, more about the UK than you do about here. But say in the UK, I have a guy come over and wallpaper my house or carpet my floor or do a bit of job on my electric. Yeah. Am I paying him cash or am I tapping a card? Well, I I think the the issue there is that we're losing the freedom to choose how we would like to pay. Yes. So there are some people who prefer to pay by cash. There are some people who prefer to pay by card. Now, I run a I run a small business in the UK. I don't have the option to take cash payments for the service that I provide. However, I've chosen to set up and structure my business that way because it's it works for the service that I provide. It works for the systems I have in place. Mm. But if I was choosing a different service, where, where's my freedom to choose how I would like to be paid? It might be inevitable that we end up in a in a cashless society. But I think if we're just going to steamroller it, steamroller people into this position of well, your only choice is to pay by card. Well, who who who's, who do you trust to make that decision? Who do you say, well, I'm I'm going to believe that this is the best way to do it? Because I I refer back to I mean even even as recently as the 2007 2008 banking crisis, we're supposed to trust these people with our money, and yet hundreds of billions of dollars, euros, yeah. pounds was was badly invested. They were bailed out by the governments. So. I, I, I think 
this erosion of our freedom of choice is is a very thin end of the wedge and it's it's just going to get worse over the long term. You, you say, and I don't, look, unless you want to share with me the nature of the business you run, that's up to you, but you say that you're not in a position to take cash. Is, is that a, is it, is it choice? Would you prefer to be able to if you could? No, not, not for that particular service, absolutely not. So you're um, kind of taking a choice away from people, aren't you? Well, it's no, because I'm I'm not forcing people to use my service. I'm saying here is okay. my service. This okay. is how I okay. how I collect my payment. You can choose to use it. Understood. If you go to your local farmer's market mm. and you're being forced to pay by card, well, somebody who doesn't have that facility available to them, you're, you're going to slowly push them away from something that they've relied on their whole lives. And I know we shouldn't be afraid of change. We shouldn't be afraid of evolving societies and evolving systems. But just to force people to do it is is not the right approach because okay. if you force people into doing one thing, once you've got that, you can then force them to do other things. And and whether or not there's a conspiracy theory of banks are going to stop us from spending money on sugary foods. I went to buy a car a few years ago and I needed cash to pay. I went to the bank to withdraw the cash and the teenager behind the counter said, well, before I give you this cash, you have to explain to me why you need it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit intrusive, all right. Simon, you went in your, in your email as well. You also talked about bank charges. You referred to a report that I had to hand yesterday from AIB, uh, one of our yeah. banks here, where they said they'd had 78 million card and online transactions in the course of, say, the month of July. And you wanted to say, yes. You wanted to point out how much the money they made from that. Yes. Yeah. Well, if you think that the. The cheapest I can find online for a card processing is 1.5% plus 20 cent. And the most expensive is about 3.2%. So, I mean, what was the total value of those transactions? Yeah. Well, 7 billion, wasn't it? Something. 78 million by 20 cents. That's, that's a lot of euro. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then plus the 1.5% or 2.4% or 2.8% of the total transactions as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and you're very much about this. It's a lot of money that we're giving the banks just to use our own money. Like you're on holidays at the moment. Are you splitting it? Are you using card here and cash there? What are you doing? Well, no, that's part of the problem. I'm going to places where they're saying uh, we don't accept cash. And you're finding a lot of them? Uh, Most places, and certainly most places I visited recently and most places that I've visited um, in the UK, uh, I've been to several restaurants where at the end of the meal, when I've got my money out to pay, they said, sorry, we don't accept cash. Right. So, well, what if that was all I had with me today? Yes, and you've come across a lot of them on your on your travels around Ireland. A- around the world. It's, it's starting to happen everywhere. Uh, yeah. It's not just in Ireland. It's not. And there's, there's also, there's a big debate in the UK government at the moment where politicians are actually standing up and demanding that the UK government force companies to accept cash as a payment. I know that's happening. Yeah, that's happened in Italy and I know our Minister for Finance is is well disposed towards looking at it here that at least for a small transaction like up to about 50 euro that you would be compelled to to accept cash. You're you're on holidays. You love love this country. I I don't understand why anybody would leave. It's so beautiful. I've been around the coast. It's it's breathtakingly beautiful. It is, but the the weather's crap. (laughs) (laughs) well not today it's gorgeous out there today yes yeah but you you love it here do you think it's expensive 
no different to anywhere else these days. No different, really. There's um, un- unless you're going to um, extremely impoverished com- countries when you're traveling through most of Europe, when you're traveling through most of North America, Australia, places like that. The 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 cost of living is is pretty much on a par wherever you go. Okay. Okay. And you travel a lot. Is it with work you travel a lot, or do you just like to travel? I've traveled since I was 18. I've been to quite a few different places, and you can see the changes over the last 20 or 30 years. Mm. And when you hear, come back to where we started, when you hear John Lowe, you might not be familiar with his work, but he'd be one of the best financial analysts in this country, annually writes a book on the budget and how it affects us. And as I said in the interview, he's never given me a bum steer in in nearly 15 years of interviewing him. You'd be worried about Mm -hmm. that prediction. Um, I, I would say that it's, it is potentially inevitable that we're heading that direction, but the concern for me is the fact that it's being forced through uh, by people who already have enough control and already have enough money in their pockets. Um, if, if society goes that way, then then so be it. Um, but it's it, it, it's a concern of just the fact that some some places are just blanket saying, like you say, with the with the is it the NCT have just said we're now yes. only going to accept payments online. Yeah. Our equivalent of the MOT, they, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, this is they're they're, they're putting forward a, a a valid a valid reason to say, well, if we've, if we've had this many note shows in a month, it's obviously causing a significant problem. Um, but they when they say we're we're just going to refuse to take cash at all, it's like, well, okay, that's fine if if that's what you want to do, but you you need to provide a suitable alternative for the people who have that as their only option. Understood. You know, it's it, it's it's just a fact of well, we don't care about those people with no option. This is just the way you're going to do it and you're going to have to adapt. Well, that's fine. People will naturally adapt over time, but you have to you have to at least give people a choice and an option and an alternative until they're in a position to follow the rules that you want to put in place. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Simon, I was just looking at... Um, I was just looking at that uh, charges thing we talked about a while ago and just the 20 cent commission that you mentioned... 70 million uh-huh. transactions uh-huh. at 20 cent a pop is 14 million euro in profit yep. for the bank. Exactly, and that's not including the percentage they will charge for processing that payment as well. And like I said, it ranges from the lowest I found was 1.5 and the mm. highest I saw was just over 3%. All right, all so right. if you add that as well... Is it, and, and don't forget, this is a charge that we're paying to use our own money. Yeah. How long more are you spending here? I'm um, here till Sunday, so right. I'm going to enjoy a few more parts of the country. Do indeed. All right, Simon, and uh, good to hear from you. And you know what? You can pick us up over there as well in the UK on an app, so feel free to contact us anytime. Simon, on holidays in Ireland from England at the moment, just some observations on the, the cashless move towards cashless. Thank you, sir. Go back to some of your comments from yesterday, which referred to this. Tom says, people who refuse cash are refusing the legal currency of the state. They shouldn't be allowed to do that. Susan, remember, more jobs will also be lost by security drivers if there's no cash for them to transport. Maeve, what about people aged 80 or more? A lot of them are out shopping. and There's a big difference from the over 60s and all that. There's, this is ageism. Maybe they don't have someone to help them online. They deserve to be able to hang on to their independence. Stuff convenience. 
keep cash. Not everyone has or wants the latest phone or latest gadgets. Yeah. Uh, PJ, cash is legal tender. This is not acceptable and it's only happened since COVID, says Shiona. It's being done so governments have more control and can see and locate you every moment of your life. And how come that's important all of a sudden? Patricia, more people would have more money, PJ, if they only spent cash. Going cashless causes poverty. People have no idea what they're spending. As for the NCT, well, everyone should pay with postal order. That's the same as cash. They then have to lodge it at the end of the day. Pages more of them. Um, just the ones we didn't get to is the ones I'm trying to do today. It's one thing to say we offer technology to make life easier or to do things you could never do before, but there's a terrible drive here now to ban people who don't embrace technology, be it that they can't pay for things or that they have to use it to apply for appointments. I agree with you wholeheartedly that there should always be a choice. Dermot reminds us that the Chinese has a social score system where you can be barred from certain activities. That's what could happen with this situation, this cashless world in which we're living. We didn't fight as a country rising up against people who throw us out of one-room windowless cottages just to hand over control of our lives. Tom in Blackpool, lastly, says if you go cashless, it's just more income for the banks. Initially, it was free to tap, but now charges are creeping in, and trust me, they go up each and every year, if not every quarter. Thank you for all of those. 0818-96-96-96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Corks 96 FM. But well, I have an issue with the whole thing. Anyway, the naming of them. If a stag party is for the male, then surely it should be a deer party. Yeah, yeah, they don't they match don't up in terms, in yeah, terms of animals. So they don't true. match up, right? Men could be like, you know, Mary and her sister are on a hen. But then the women could say, you know, Michael and his dad no, are on. No, no, no. Lorraine and Ross in the morning. Test drive the award-winning Skoda Enyaq electric SUV at no DC cars. Skoda sales dealer of the year. Cork's 96 I had a message from a person who is a staff member of Before Five. Uh, they were only informed by text three o'clock yesterday that the place was closing. On top of the loss to the community, the staff were just given the same short notice by text. We empathise with all the families in our community with whom relations have been built up over years of service. And Before Five there, 50 years that's important. As I said earlier, it's not just some fly-by-night operation that was set up a wet week ago. It's 50 years there in the heart of the community. And now it's gone. Gone by text message. Uh, if we can talk to anyone from the staff, I know they've been meeting at 12 and they're reticent to, to, to talk to anybody that's been at that meeting. Understand that. But uh, maybe we get to talk to them in the days to come. 0818 96 96 96. On the banks, they will charge for every tap. If we stop using cash, if you have savings, the banks will now ask you why you're removing your money. 0818 96 96 96. Now, yesterday I was chatting with Sinead McNamara. Cork's 96 FM is media partner of the Menopause Summit, which is coming up in October at the City Hall. Sinead is the founder of 
and co-director and she was telling me about her own menopause story. At one point it got so bad, the brain fog got so bad that she said she thought she was starting dementia or dementia. Like that's 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 kind of scary. Olive, it prompted a call from you. Uh, you you you've had a rough a rough ride with with menopause too. Good morning. I have. Good morning, PJ. Uh, thanks for having me on. Delighted. Uh, I have, and I suppose I wanted to highlight another aspect of it, mm-hmm. um, because unfortunately, when the world was reopening in September 2021. Uh, Just as a result of a routine breast check, I uh, was given a breast cancer diagnosis. Um, So uh, dealing with that, my diagnosis, I had uh, a lumpectomy and then had to face into radiotherapy. Um, But I suppose what I wanted to highlight is that if your cancer diagnosis is um, hormone receptive, Uh, following your treatment, you are then um, put on um, hormone therapy Mm -hmm. for either five or ten years. Right, right. This is certain breast cancers are responsive to hormones are, is it caused by hormones? Not so much caused by hormones because uh, they they feed off of hormones. I see. see. Okay, yeah. So um, the obviously the way of treating that is to try and suppress your hormones as much as possible. Mm. Um, now I would be in the postmenopausal age anyway. Your hormones naturally drop, right? And people have, you know, some people have terrible menopause problems. Other people don't have any problems at all. But now you're uh, as a result of cancer, you're now subjected to hormone therapy which continuously suppresses and depletes your body of hormones. And as a result of that, you have menopausal symptoms that are completely magnified. (laughs) Um, So on top of being sick with breast cancer and going through the treatment for that, you also have to deal with it. Yeah. The, do you know what? Going through the surgery, going through the radiotherapy, while it was like a roller coaster all over the place, it was only when I was a couple of months on that medication that I thought, oh, my God, this is where the battle really is. Um, because, you know, you feel you must take the medication because the huge thing with these type of cancers is, is recurrence. Recurrence yeah. is the big issue. And you take the treatment because you don't want recurrence. Yes. Um, but by God, you're having to try and live with all of the side effects because our hormones are so important to us, you know, um, and you like everything. It's the sweating, the insomnia, the joint pain, tendons hurting, shoulders, elbows, bits of you that you never God, knew that you it. were aware of. But that lady was talking about the memory loss. It is frightening. Yeah. It is frightening. But she thought she um, thought she was starting dementia. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I took the big decision. I ran my own business for years, and it was just able to reopen after COVID. And I found myself driving out to a school that I was teaching in for ten years, and I was on the wrong road. Oh God! Okay. And I thought, oh my God, what am I doing? And losing losing the car, you know, dropping the ball on everything, and it it's, it undermines your confidence terribly. Funny that you know? I know someone who is of that age now, um, menopausal mm. age, and cannot remember where they put their car. Yeah. 
Oh, I, I've lost After 10 minutes, like they, go to, they go to Super Value yeah. and leave it in the car park. I go and they to go Douglas Court and now I have to try and think, right, what door did I come in? Because if I went out, I could actually easily go out another door and then I'm looking for the car in the wrong place. <laughs> I mean, and you feel, you feel idiotic. You know, I mean, I couldn't continue my job because I, I just I worked on my own and I was responsible for so many children and I couldn't remember from one week to the next what I was going to do in the class. So I, I just came back from that, you know, but I like the other thing to remember is I'm at that age in my 60s. Right. But you have young women who are diagnosed with the same mm -hmm. and they are thrown into chemical menopause. Yeah. The other problem then for us is that we cannot take any of the alternative. We were denied HRT because of the whole debacle layer that it might cause reoccurrence. And that's a whole other issue. Oh, um, can you never, can you never have HRT, Olive? No, you see, the thing is, the oncologists are still not on board. You know, I mean, the, the new HRT is all bioidentical, body identical. Mm. Uh, we should be able to. There is huge, you know, um, studies to say that it should be available to us. But again, do you want to take the chance? Yeah. You know, and the oncologist will say, look, we'll support you if that's what you want to do. But if it came back, you see, if it comes back, it could come back at a much higher stage. Mm -hmm. you and know? metastatic um, and, and all that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And are you, are you, you know, in remission um, now, Olive? I'm I'm hoping that I'll be cancer free two years in September. Fantastic. Um, but but as a result, PJ, I've ended up having, uh, you know, you have to kind of switch different hormone therapies to see will anyone be better than the other. Yeah. Um, and it's just trying to, to deal, you know, you can. And does that mess with the other elements of your being? Like the way I know the way, for example, chemotherapy medicine messes with the whole body, not just with the, with, with the yeah. cancer. Does the hormone treatment mess with your whole body too? Uh Oh, absolutely. In every way, shape or form, your your memory, your your heart health, joint pain, the insomnia, the sweating, fatigue, uh, no libido, osteoporosis, vaginal dryness, fatigue. I'm glad I'm a fella. I'm sick. You are very glad. It never, ever. <laughs> but we plot on. Yeah, I mean, well, you, you I sound in great form and you sound like you have a, a devilish sense of humour on you, you know? You you take every day as it comes and uh, if I sleep for a few hours at night, that's great. Uh, if not, I try and pick it up during the day and yeah. you can't. You you just have to battle on. You have to battle on. So, uh, is you know, it predictable? When you, when like, could, could you wake up in the morning and go, oh, bugger, one of those days? Yeah, yeah, yeah. you could, you could. You know, uh, but you you have to. It's it's a huge mindset thing. Our house are invaluable to yeah. any any of us. You know, for support um, and great. You know, Facebook pages for women who are dealing with the support um, and just trying supplements and things. You see, we we can't really take any of the menopausal supplements that are recommended because they are all uh, usually to encourage estrogen. Yeah. And that's what we can't have, oh, you know. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, great fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? The, the fact that I can hear you smiling down the line, and that gives me yeah. great joy. That someone who's gone yeah. through what you've gone through can still have a laugh about it. That's Fred. You you're, my, you're my caller yeah. of the day. 
Oh, thank you very much, PJ. <laughs> well, I wish you I well. I have my ticket for the Menopause Summit and any lady out there who's in trouble, get your ticket for the City Hall because um, it'll be a fabulous support for people. All right. All right. Thanks ever so much. Cheers, Olive. 0818969696. The more I hear about menopause, the, the more I kind of think it's about time they started teaching us fellas about it when we're young. Because, you know, 50% of the population, etc., your mother, your sister, your auntie, your cousin, your mother, whatever, this is going to happen to them at a certain age in their lives and they're going to change and you're going to wonder, what the hell is going on there? I recommend to you that you look up YouTube um, or Spotify or wherever you get your music and look up my old friend Cahal Dunn. Yes, he of Eurovision, happy man fame and all that. Uh, C-A-H-A-L, he spells his name these days. Cahal Dunn. Look up Cahal Dunn, the menopause song. I used to play it years ago on the arts programme. I'm not going to dig it out now, but... Have a listen to it. it. It'll make you, and particularly if you are menopausal, you are struggling, uh, you'll enjoy. All right. Carl Dunn, C-A-H-A-L-D-U-N-N-E. Look it up, Menopause Song, on YouTube or on Spotify or on wherever you get your tunes. 0818969696. Back to cashless. And I think also, John, you want to have a go off the roads of Tralee. We'll leave that one for a second or two. But cashless. Now, do you carry cards, John? Morning. No, no, I'm completely cashman. Right. Cash, cash is my name. It's not Johnny Cash. Well, it's, well, I am John. That's what I could say, Johnny Cash. Well, you don't, you don't do cards, no? <laughs> no, I don't. No, no, no. Why? I just, I just have this. Oh man, I don't know. People don't realize the PJ, and I know I had. I was very impressed with you yesterday that you went bought it. At least I want the choice. The yeah. yeah, of course. I'm yeah. very happy to use cards, John. I use it a yeah, lot. Yeah. Oh, I've no problem. But I want the choice. I've no problem if everyone in the plan wants to use it, but give me the option then, like, you mean, of being able to use cash from myself, personally. Mm. My own own autonomy. And this is what's going to happen. The autonomy of spend is going to be uh, diminished because you you see what's happening in China, the whole lot of crediting and everything, the social credits. Mm -hmm. Everything we do, the banks are being charged of, and eventually the charges will go through the roof, mm. and we, we will be totally controlled. It's like the whole concept of the first Terminator movie, and it's <laughs> hidden that way. The machines are taken over, the, the artificial intelligence is taken over. Well, we will be just standing like a fool in the middle of a field. And, and you're talking in particular, John, about the, the, the black economy. Now, look, it, it is what it is, and there's tax evasion going on and all this. Yep, but the yep. fella the fella who comes to your house to yep. fix the leaky toilet and says to you, that's going to be 150 quid. And you say to him, listen, can you do it for cash for 100? Of course I can. That- well, I, I, I know the guy that's going to come exactly what he's going to, I'm going to give him. And I fully support the black economy. It's worth million billions probably at this stage. And that money, like I mean, just doesn't disappear, PJ. That money goes back into the economy again. People buy clothes out of it. They have nights out out of it. They plan their holidays out of it. It's not like all the guys that are working black economy. They store away the money up in the attic or something. That money goes back in the intercirculation. True, true. And but I have the no only thing is... Saying I'm... that I've got stuff done in my house and I've paid people cash... 
and no problem and I will continue to mm. do that in any job I want I have people in the stone the right trust that work in the black economy and I have no problem paying them and I will continue to do so Well here's the thing John and look in, in the past I've had work done on Coogan Towers and mm-hmm. I've paid cash now it was to friends of mine that I know who are in yep. trades do you know mm-hmm. and, and one of them now has sadly passed away but he did yep. a rake of work for me and we always dealt in cash because we were yep. pals mm-hmm. but by the same token John I know that I'm here every payday. I get mugged by the taxman every payday. Yep. And I know that I'm getting mugged and I've no choice in the matter. But the fella taking cash to fix a broken tile or, or a dodgy, leaky toilet, well, he's not. He's, he's not paying his fair share of taxes. Well, the thing is that you chose like, to go into a profession where everything is accounted for, like in your salary rate. Like a lot, of, like the high percentage of people, but the guy that's working in the black economy, he's either working part time, full time, mm, doing yeah. stuff on the side, or whatever, then and keeping that money right. Like that won't discommode the person that's working anywhere. The system of taxation with the revenue and everything else, go and the PRSI, everything goes on anywhere mm. that's going to go on anywhere. Yeah. So I I have no problem with with, with uh, people being paid in the black economy because like I said that money just goes back into circulation. Well, again, it does. Because... It goes back into circulation. If you pay someone a hundred quid to fix the toilet instead of a hundred and fifty to tap the carrier, you pay him a hundred quid. He goes out, he buys groceries, he's paying that on the groceries. Yeah, of course, he feeds paying. his kids, so yeah, he takes yeah, them on holiday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? He's, yeah, paying, so, he's I mean... paying tax out of it all all along the way. It looks as if listening to John Lowe yesterday, and you you listen to John Lowe as often mm-hmm. as I have, John yeah. is. John, I've, I've never known John to be wrong. It looks like within within ten years you won't have a choice, John. Well, you see, this is it. Like I mean, uh, to the Armageddon yesterday when I was listening to John. I mean, he's a brilliant man, like what he does. But the thing is, making that prediction that's what only eight years. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, like people don't realize it, but we're sleepwalking into this, and people will wake up and say, "How did we allow this to happen?" Well, I'm sorry, you did. You personally allowed it. Everyone just tipping their bloody card. And the, the problem is, PJ, look, I don't give a care what you have in your account. When you have that little bit of plastic, right, you will not have the same mass in it as when you put your hand in your pocket and now comes some notes. And unfortunately, there's a generation now that are not dealing with cash. They don't know the feel of the cash. They don't know the worth of the cash. They don't know what is to go with 100 euro. And next thing, put your hand in your box. Say, Jesus, I've only 5 euro left. How do you spend all that? Well, it's funny. Patricia made a comment yesterday, and I read it there a while ago. Uh, he, she said, "Young people would have more money if they spent cash. Uh, they don't know what they're spending, and in fact, cashless yep. can cause can cause she's poverty." I mean, I'm, away, I'm I'm heading down for the weekend to meet an old friend. Mm-hmm. We're we're celebrating forty years of friendship and all that. But I will take I'll take cash out. Yeah, you know, but, 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 I, and I will I will tap my card as well. For certain. Of course, yeah. But but like I'll take my, I, and I, I, I'm, I'm, like you and I, there's a lot of things we disagree on, but. I demand that choice. Oh, yes, so I demand do I. So, and you see the point you just made about the young people there. You see, they're, they're, they're being disenfranchised because they're, they're, there's a generation mm-hmm. growing into the, the plastic, Mr. and Mrs. Plastic, as we yeah. call it. Yeah. And plastic, I mean, plastic they, fantastic. Yeah, they have, they have no uh, concept, like I mean, of the value of actually currency, proper currency, right? Yeah. All right. Listen, move on, John, a second. Rose of Tralee, now the girl from New York... One is Roisin Wiley, I think her name was. Uh-huh. Um, 
I, was, I saw her interview. She, she was nice. Um, they, I, I don't know how they picked the winner. I couldn't possibly think. Yeah. But you, you, you did. What did you think of the whole thing? Well, I, I think having two people presented, I think, is a bit confusing. I'll be honest with you, right? I prefer when there was just a male and the banter then between the male and the female, then because there is a, a certain banter between men and women, a flirtation, we call it, like a man and die would be flirty on the stage. There's the banter between the male and the female, right? I think that was kind of lost again when they brought Catherine Thomas. You don't think board. they worked well together? They are pals and they seem to work well. Oh, together. they are, yeah, but, but I think, like, if it's, it's, not, if it's not broken, don't go fixing it. Now, this idea, what really annoyed me at the end of it was, I mean, I'm old enough, and I don't know, do you remember or not, when one of the world's best singers ever, he was supposed to be all this, Tom Jones, DJ Corton. I knew, I knew DJ Corton. Yeah, yeah, he was a fantastic, I think he lives in, in Las Vegas now, I think, but he's mm. still alive. But he used to come out at the end of us, and you know, what a voice, like, and he'd no, sing, voice, yeah, he'd, he'd sing the roses to lead the song. It was always so that it was a male serenaded the winner. Yeah. And now they brought on a, a, a girl, no disrespect to the lady, fine singer, but it was always the male serenaded yeah. the female rose. And the, the song initially was a man serenading the woman of his dreams. Yeah, this is so, it. This yeah, is I, it. I must say I did note that as being... A, no, she sang it beautifully, John. She but, did, but I mean, but, but, she wasn't a man. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got you. I got you. I got you. <laughs> it was the one... I, I kind of said... I was, hang on a second... It doesn't. Anyway, I know, I know. No, and then they're just parading down with the two of them. Were again, as I said, they looked a bit crowded walking down the aisle. It's not me that he would bring the rose down, right? I don't know why they, they, they stopped, like, before they said, I'd stay on the stage and the camera would fade away. And now they have this walking down the aisle. There was three of them in the marriage, as the villa said. <laughs> and I think, I think they were getting each other's way. There was no crown either, no tiara. They both seemed to kind of, yeah, there was no tiara either, and they both seemed to kind of kind of walk to the side and, and like, for one or two seconds, like, she was kind of left standing there like a rabbit in the headlights. And what do I do now? <laughs> John, always a pleasure. Always fun to chat with you. Uh, thank you. 0818969696. Yeah, we did notice that at the end of the Rose of Tree. Hang on, that's a... She sang it well, but... The song, Made Me Love Mary, The Rose of Tree, is about a fella serenading the woman of his dreams. Oh, eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now it would be considered one of the safest seats to be returned in the local elections next year. Uh, very few seats are safe in a local election, but one man's seat would have been considered to be nailed down. He's stepping back. He won't be going forward. I'll talk to him next. 0818969696. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Now, as a bit of a political hack who will be watching the local elections next May, uh, like a fellow watches the Premiership, I would have been there at the thick of it just because I loved the count. I would have looked at Cork South Central Ward and said, well, that's down to one less seat because Mick Finn is nailed down. He's nailed down. He ain't going to lose that seat. He topped the poll in 2019. He topped the poll in 2014. And Mick, I would have had you down to top it again next May. You're stepping down. Why? Good morning. 
Oh, good morning, PJ. And I suppose, like yourself, uh, next year, for the first time in 15 years, I'll be watching it as well. I won't be in the immersed in the middle of it. Um, so, it's legalised yeah, blood like, sport and it's brilliant. It is, it is. And I enjoy the counting and my, my all my volunteers enjoy the canvassing and the knocking on doors, which a lot of people would say, like, how could you enjoy something like that? Um, but, you know, it's, I've had a great kind of three terms in Cork City Council since 2009. Um, and I just decided, look, I've, I've, I've done my bit. Um, you know, it, it gets harder and harder when you're when you're working full time as well alongside the council responsibilities. Mm. So I, I just I felt the time was right to kind of take a step away and give someone else a go at it. So I, like yourself, I'll be watching intently and I'll be in at the count centre. And but I, I won't have as much skin in the game as I had mm. in previous years. It, it practically is a full time job, to be fair, isn't it? It is, yeah. I mean, I think it has evolved and changed over time as well since I started back, as I said, in 2009. Um, I was working with school completion in the schools around Cork City at the time, um, you know, and, you know, you were, I was able to balance it. But as time goes on, you know, the the, the, the number of calls and the number of requests got, got more and more and more. And I suppose that's to do with profiling, it's to do with, you know, the work that you're involved in. And it comes to a stage then where it's impacting on your main job as well. And then your main job is impacting on your ability to deliver as a counsellor. So, um, you know, it, it has effectively become a full-time job. I mean, I was away for five days last week and came back to like 30 or 40 messages and calls to mm. follow up on. So, you know, as I said, you know, I don't expect sympathy from people because it's your own decision. It's what you go, do. You, you go in for it. Like, but yeah, there's a lot there. There's a lot there. Yeah, mm. exactly. Yeah. A yeah. friar's walk, man. Remind people, tell us a bit more about yourself, mate. A teacher by profession, yeah? No, I'm no? actually a, journal, a journalist by profession. Are you really? Okay. I, yeah, I worked as a journalist for 10 years, uh, both here. I was work based in the Midlands in, in, in Athlone, and I worked in Australia with the Irish Echo. Okay. Um, and, and then I, I was involved with sports coaching in the schools, which kind of led me into the a school's work. With yeah, that's, I had this idea program. you were a teacher, yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, I was, uh, I suppose, while we worked, we worked with kind of families and young people yeah, at risk of early school leaving uh, across, you know, nine schools in the south side. And our job was to kind of, you know, help and support the parents and the kids to stay in school. So I worked at that for 10 years. That was kind of my biggest, you know, a single job. And now I work in youth services with them, um, education and training board. So while I'm not a teacher, I kind of worked with teachers and homeschool liaison officers and principals and everything else in a school environment for the guts of, you know, I suppose 15 years. Yeah. Um, you love that one, and then as I said, yeah, it was great. You know, it was a, again, it was a tough job, and we had we had a, a number of kind of tragedies towards the end of my time, in, you know, with young people passing away early, um, and you know, but it was a great job, tough job, uh, but very rewarding. Probably the most rewarding job I ever done. Mm. Um, and as I said, kind of continuing that to an extent with Corky TV when we managed the, all the youth projects in the city and county, it's not a, it's not at the front face or at the cold face. You know, we kind of manage the groups that work with all the young people. Mm. It's a kind of a step back from the one to one work. But um, you know, it's it, so that's that's my background. I suppose journalism, sports, yeah, okay. sports coach, okay. and then um, and then education sector. Twenty eighteen was a very special year, Mick. I remember you sitting here in my studio, having been elected. As as Lord Mayor, how big is that for a fellow like you? Yeah, well, look, I suppose that was you know a life career high. I don't, I don't think there'll be anything that will ever surpass it. And people, you know, may well say, you know, what's the point of a Lord Mayor? And you know, why do we need one and everything else? I mean, it was just this, the single greatest honour I've ever had to follow in the footsteps of Tomas McCurtain and Terence McSweeney and many others since. You know, who are your your first citizen who represent your city at kind of local, national, international levels. 
Um, and it was just an absolute privilege. I mean, I, th- I had to take the year off work. Uh, it was facilitated by Cork ETB, um, which, you know, again, I was very grateful for. But it was unusual, I suppose, for an independent and non-party uh, councillor to be elected Lord Mayor. I think it was the first one since the 40s. Mm. Um, so it was extra special, I suppose. It was a year, a term also, in which um, Chris O'Leary from Sinn Féin did, you know, had a chance at the Lord Mayor as well because yeah. of the numbers of the council at the time. So, look, it was it was a huge honour. And even mm. just going around to the schools that I had worked in and everything else, you know, was, was so memorable. Mm. We've been in, independent wearing the chain now and, and doing it with yes. some aplomb as well, Kieran. great job, yeah. Now, yeah. Mick... Finn, um, you're you're not getting off the hook without this. Um, Yes, you're bowing (laughs) down from the local stage, but we know that there's a local electoral boundary commission. There's a boundary commission coming soon. And the Mm. word on the streets is that Cork South Central will return to a five-seater at the next general election. Mm. Would it tempt you? Yeah, look, I, I mean, that's in my mind. Um, you know, there's a possibility of it going back to a five-seater. Like, we have some of the heaviest hitters. It seems, in, our, in fact, it seems almost certain, me. It's a massive it constituency. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I mean, I suppose I question why you went back to a four-seater in the first place. And I think the, the big issue for me will be, you know, will it be Bishopstone coming back into South Central? Mm. As it stands, a lot of it is in North Central. Or will it extend out to Balancholic? You know, which is a, obviously puts a different perplexion or per, 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 different kind of um, perplexion on it. Um, so look, it's something I might consider. I mean, I have a feeling when I'm done, I'm done. But yes. I, I ran twice, twice before I came sixth in a four-seater, you know, in, at the second last election. Mm. But it was kind of a, a distance, a distance. Yeah, sixth. and I was you watching. Know, it, it, I was watching at that time, Mick, and and transfers were 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 kind. And if you'd lasted yeah. one more count, you might have been in yeah. there. You know, yeah, so and that's it. I, I suppose, yeah, you are, and I'm friendly. not blowing smoke where it shouldn't be, Mick. You, because of your independent nature, and because of the fact you were a popular, you're, you're, you're transfer, you're transfer positive. People like, yeah, like uh, you. Yeah, and I suppose we kept an eye. You'd give it a well, go, wouldn't you? You'd give it a go. If it's five, might, if it's I five might. seats, you'll give it a go. I might, and if it was an opportunity to open the event centre, PJ, I'd uh, take that down as well. <laughs> oh, yes, back in the... Yeah, it must, it must be election season, make the event centres back in the paper. I know, it's back in the paper, but I, I think it's it's coming to a stage now where it's, you know, you know, I know people now will say, oh, no, it's not going to happen. But again, I think the people who are saying that don't really want it to happen. I do. I think we need it in Cork. Um, and I think I think we're, we're getting close to a stage where we're saying, yeah, look, this is going to happen. And uh, a proper sad, term, sad turning ceremony yeah. might be... Uh, we, might we, be we got the first one. We still haven't seen the second one, you know. Exactly, that that sad is still flying somewhere high in the air. Like so, we have to just uh, re- recalibrate and do that again. So, All right. So. All right. Listen, Mick. Um, you you were it was always a pleasure to deal with you at at local level. Something tells me, something tells me that we could be dealing with Deputy Mick Finn down the road, independent if it fe- if the cards fell his way. I wouldn't be ruling it out. Uh, thank you for everything you've done locally, Thanks, and enjoy your temporary at least retirement. Th- thanks for giving me the opportunity as already here. Sometimes it's difficult for independence, but uh, you've been very fair. Uh, so th- uh, I'd like to, to thank you and all your staff there for the courtesy shown to me in my time as a councillor. Always a pleasure, Mick. Thank you. 0818 We'll see his name on a battle paper in Cork South Central for the Dáil. Mark my words on it if it's a five-seater, which I'm almost certain it will be once the boundaries are redrawn. That is it for today. Programme edited by Imro Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Your various podcasts will go up shortly, including the full show, which we'll give you during the afternoon, Friday tomorrow.
We're back just after nine. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Coach 96 FM.